plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are recording when we're supposed to, two weeks in a row. We're Ketchup Cartel. We're here to talk magic. Matt, how's it going? Well, I don't have a ton to report. Uh, I spent the weekend in the hospital again with my dad. Um, before that, though, I did pick up. He's worse than he was last week. So I don't really want to go into detail in, about it, but he's worse than he was last week. He is home. No, he's, oh, he's not. not even home. No, so he was at the rehabilitation. You don't have to go into it. You said you don't yeah. want to go in. I was just saying no, he's... It, it, it's fine. I'll, broad strokes. He was at a rehabilitation hospital. He lost consciousness. Was taken back to an acute hospital. And the last I heard, he's still there. Okay. And he's the best case scenario was he was going to be at the rehabilitation hospital for like a month. Gotcha. Yeah. So okay. like now they're trying to figure out why he's losing consciousness and like well, why he keeps having strokes and it looks like his medication that he was taking to help prevent the strokes was damaging his kidneys yeah so don't know what's going to happen um on the gaming front when when was this was this two weekends ago did we talk you didn't talk about much gaming oh, last no, week because you it talked was, about yeah, it was so so last uh a few days ago because today's what wednesday yeah today is wednesday so last weekend before I went up to Goshen, I was dicking around with Dark Souls 3 again. And Oh, yeah, because you told me you, you got Pontiff Sullivan on like five tries. Yeah. And I was like, so for perspective, I the first time I ended up beating him, I ended up summoning somebody and they lasered him to death right away. Sure. And that was actually, that was my whole like, on playthrough two, I need to beat all the bosses. And on playthrough two, I fought Pontiff Sullivan for like a week. Yeah. I probably died uh, 50 times to Pontiff Sullivan. How many times did you die the first time? Do you know? And. Or did you just kind of like walk in there, get killed a couple times? And then yeah, I, I I fought him three or four times, got my butt kicked, summoned a couple, summoned one or two dudes. We got our butts kicked, and the third dude I summoned was obviously like a max level. He was on like no armor with a helmet yeah. and just laser him to death. Yeah, he was, he, he, so what had happened is I was like, when I stopped playing, I was like, you know, the, the one fight that I'd heard everybody talk about was Pontiff Sullivan and how hard he was. And I'm like, hmm. I should at least get to that point. And see what all the fuss is about. Yeah. He was a fun fight. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite things about him, the walk was really easy. <laughs> was, yeah. So I was like, my frustration level, like, he, I'm, I went into him knowing he was going to be tough. Yep. And I'm like, okay, first one, he's just going to kill me because I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. And he killed me almost immediately because he does a charge right at the front. Uh -huh. And I was like, I, he got me and we kind of back and forth for a little bit, but I didn't know what his attacks were doing. Yeah. Um. Second time I got him halfway, then his transformation where he like pulses killed me because I didn't know that has yep. like an AOE. Got him halfway again on the third try, and then he like um makes a doppelganger. He makes a doppelganger, which I hadn't seen. Yep. So I would kind of back and forth there a little bit, but like he you That's know, the hardest part of the fight for me is the fighting two of them. Yeah. So then the fourth try, I just flubbed. Yep. And then the fifth try I try I beat him. You are just better at games than me. <laughs> Just like yeah, I, I, I really struggle with Pontiff Sullivan. Well, I like, and I, this is are not you, meant. Are you running a Dex build or a Strength build? Dex. That maybe that helps because like I'm running a giant fat sword takes forever to swing. Maybe he's a little easier if Could you're be. quick in and out, and you're also just better at games than me. Like that is just a fact. The the funny thing is, like I was reading, I, I was reading on Re like the Dark Souls Reddit because whenever I pick up a game I'm taking seriously, I just subscribe to the Reddit so yeah. I can get catch news about it and hear discussion and whatnot. Yeah. And like people are talking about uh, talking, but like writing about their experiences with these games, same thing on the Bloodborne. And they'll be like, 
this boss took me 70 tries. This, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? It happened. I'm going to say, Pontiff Sullivan, I struggled a lot with. So Yeah. And like, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not throwing any shade, but I was just like, really? Yep. Like, we aren't that good at games. We need to get he's good. He's the one who's killed me the most. He's the only one. He's, I was surprised he got to five. I wasn't surprised, but I was like, he got me to, it took five tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a lot. I kind of want. I, I really kind of want to bring my PC over and have you play Sekiro mm-hmm. and see how you feel about the gameplay in that. Because I mean, like, come, like uh, there's a lot of things I don't like about it. But as someone who's an outsider looking in, you might those things might not bother you like they bother me. And I think Sekiro really encourages you for being super aggressive. Like you might like I said, there's no stamina. You can just wail away on people, and it's it is fun. There's some fun fights where you're just wailing on each other, and that you get very much. They did a good job on that game of like nailing the flow of a fight, mm-hmm. which is I think what like. The samurai, you know, the 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 Eastern swordsman. Yeah, it kind of looks like a movie. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And they nailed that really well. Yeah, I, I maybe everybody's just playing Dark Souls wrong, <laughs> where everybody's trying to like hang back. But like the funny thing is, we've talked about it. Where like when when I was playing Bloodborne, everyone was like, "Oh, it's just called Fashion Souls. Just put on whatever armor you're gonna wear. Yep, defense doesn't matter." Okay, cool. I didn't do that. It was my first one. I'm like, no, I'm gonna get as much defense. I want the best armor for any given situation I could. And I'm sure it did help me to some degree. Yep. So the funny thing is, like, I'm wearing starter armor. I have not changed my armor. Yeah. I'm using the starter weapon, which, to be fair, is one of the better weapons. It's the twin swords things. Yeah. That's supposed to be a good build. Yep. I was totally by accident. I just wanted to play a dual wielder. Sure. Yep. But, like, I mean, it's still a Dark Souls game. But, like just fucking attack like if i was gonna like i there's i have not run into so far i'm up to pontiff sullivan which is probably 60 percent of the way through the game ballpark there hasn't been a single boss where just being aggressive worked or didn't work yeah you know what i mean yep and so like oh i just it same thing with bloodborne where i was just like i go in there and i just Mm -hmm. i'm the one who knocks yep and that's worked out isn't the boreal valley just obscenely beautiful. I haven't gotten to there yet. You I'm, have. That's where Pontiff Sullivan is. Oh, that 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 town is the Boreal Valley. Oh, gotcha. The whole castle town. Yes. That whole thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's cool. I it's, it's I have it was one of my backgrounds on one of my laptops. I think that is one of the most beautiful uh, what areas that? in gaming. Isn't there an area Boreal something after that as well? Uh, it's or possible. Something. I, I know there's a couple so. zones that had Boreal in their name. Um, because it's because you remember you remember Vort of the Boreal Valley. Is that the one before? That was the, the ice guy that you fought very early before you got. Remember when the pigeon ladies grabbed you and flew you down to the high? Oh yeah, high, yeah, yeah. You fight Vort of the Royal Valley. Mm-hmm. That's where he's from. Gotcha. Have you fought the dancer yet? I don't, I don't think, so. think so. Have you gotten? Have you? No, I believe you fight him after you fight Yorn the giant. Yeah, there's. It's another Royal Valley. Like they had the same armor. Basically, it's Vort of the Royal Valley and the dancer of the Royal Valley. Yeah, yeah they're, they're from. That's why when you kill, so if you kill, um, if you kill, well, Vort, Vort, whatever his name is, you can transpose from him, or he drops it. I think you transpose from him, Pontiff's left eye. Mm-hmm. Those are things that Pontiff Sullivan gives to his bodyguards. Essentially, um, what it does is, you know, he, he's pretty bestial. He's he's all on fours. Is and, he the dude on the bridge? No. Okay, because he dropped. Because I have both the the eyes or the rings. I have both of those. Um, I believe you get it from his soul, but no, he's when I said it's it's the room you fight you you walk into a room and he like he's like he's very he has uh, ice attacks. Remember mm-hmm. he's one where he like he'll throw his ice in front of you, in front of him and it'll like 
chill you and and, and yeah. stun you a bunch. Mm-hmm. That's he's one of the first. He's one of the first bosses you fight. He might be like the second boss fight there is. No, he's not on a bridge. Well, there's there's two eyes. There's a left eye and a right eye. Yeah. And the right the left eye I've had forever. That's the one that like it in, you get a tiny bit of health back with consistent. That's in, what it is. Yes. Yeah, that one I've had forever. That then, you I remember you got that from his soul. Yes. The 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 right eye you get there's a there was a boss on a bridge. Uh, it was before you go into the boreal valley. Uh huh. Uh, you kill that, and I got his right eye. That's the, uh, one that when you when you go to the attack. invisible wall. Yeah. Yes, and so those eyes, those are the things that Pontiff gives to his subjects to give them power. Mm-hmm. It also drives them. It also steals like their humanity. It drives gotcha. them crazy. It basically makes them like slave soldiers. Oop. So yeah, those are those are from Pontiff, who actually and, and here relatively soon. Have you have you ridden the elevator that goes up in a spiral? Mm-mm. Soon after that, remember I told you there's an invisible bridge where you have to walk on the nothing? It's soon, and you can talk to someone who gives you some more lore about Pontiff Sullivan. He's, to cut that forward a little bit, he's basically imposed himself as king, god, whatever, mm-hmm. as Pontiff. He's kind of made a little coup, or as my wife calls it, a coup de tat. <laughs> we were talking one day about some of the stuff going on in Russia, actually. Yep. And not to get political, just we're talking about it. Yeah. And she was like, oh, is there a coup going on? And I said, excuse me? No, there is not a two-door sedan going on in Russia. Nope. It's a coup d'etat. <laughs> yep. Or a coup de main. I don't know what that is. Uh, I think a coup de main is, I'd have to Google for the exact definition, but I think it's when it's just like so overwhelming. I could be wrong, so don't don't at me. But I think it's when it's just like so overwhelming that it's just kind of like almost like a de facto victory kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but there are two different types of coups. Well, there's a, there's I'm sure there's more than two. Yeah. Uh, let me there's one that. really famous one, and there's probably another one that's less famous. A sudden surprise attack, especially one made by an army during a war. That's a coup de main. Okay. Well, a coup d'etat is an attempt to overthrow the government, isn't it? Okay. I, I interrupted you. Sort of. How was your week? Is there anything else for your week? Uh, I started playing Final Fantasy V, which for anyone who, um, anyone who knows the Final Fantasy series is... Uh, it's one. It's a. It's a Super Nintendo one, but it uses like the job system, which, in my opinion, is the best. Like, so for any you don't, you might not know this, but every Final Fantasy is like the systems in it are different. So, like, you told me that because I used to. They change the games up quite a bit. I had looked at like I, I think it was like Final Fantasy eighteen. Mm-hmm. Like it looked beautiful the, and it got a lot of one, hype. The sixteen. 16 or 18 or whatever. It was super new and super hype. And I was like, I kind of want to play it, but I've never played any of the Final Fantasy games. I'm not going to have a fucking clue what's going on. So I never did. And I think like six months later, you were like, no dipshit. They're all different. Yeah, they are. So like, which is um, a great way to make your, your franchise, by the way, if you can make good game after good game, make them different. So no one's scared to jump in. Well, that's one of the things that like, cause I've, I've gotten some pushback on when I, I personally think Final Fantasy is probably top three franchise. Uh, I know according to numbers, it's a little bit lower than that. But to me, there's like Mario, Pokemon, Final Fantasy, as far as video games go. Like, those are the big ones. Well, and to Final Fantasy's credit, of those three, only one company has made a genuinely different game every time. Right. (laughs) Pokemon's literally the same game. Yeah. And Mario's pretty much the same game. Whereas Square Enix or Squaresoft reinvents the game every single time. Now, in the Super Nintendo, the NES and SNES era those changes were obviously smaller and more gradual. So like, um, I haven't gotten around to playing final fantasy two yet. I just got the pixel remastered bundle. That's so it's on my to-do list, but 
it's not going to be radically different than two. But by the yeah. time you get to four, four is where they really kick off. Like four is a big deal. Gotcha. Five then radically changes it and comes up with this thing called the job system, which is the basis for like Final Fantasy 11, Final Fantasy 14 and Final Fantasy Tactics, where like you have you have your characters and you can change classes. They're called jobs. Uh-huh. And like you grow you have like your character level and your job level. You can learn abilities that you can then. So like you say you you're playing a, a fighter. Uh huh. You learn job abilities that your character learns. So when he then switches jobs, he gets to use fighter abilities as a thief. And like, gotcha. again, it's a super Nintendo game. So there's not a, there's, is it like, it it's, sounds, it's like dual classing or multi-classing in D and D. Can you change jobs? You can change jobs at any time. Oh, cool. So anytime you want, but you can only be one. But I remember that we were we talked about that with one of the different was it eleven where you could change jobs? Yeah, eleven you can change jobs and you can have a sub job. Yeah, gotcha. So in eleven, if you're like level thirty, which is when you unlock a sub job, um, you can level a second job up, and that job will go up to level fifteen. It can only ever be as high as half of your max level. Okay. But then you get all the, for example, if you're a white mage. So if you're a white mage, level 30 white mage, level 15 black mage, you'd have all your level 30 white mage stuff and a bunch all of. of your level 15 and below black mage stuff. That makes sense. Um, so that's this is where that starts. Starts. Yeah. So it's obviously not quite as fleshed out as it is in Final Fantasy 11 or 14. Yep. Again, Super Nintendo game, but it's really cool. Mm-hmm. The um, the one, in my opinion, where it really shines is Final Fantasy Tactics. That game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's it's either first or second in Final Fantasies for me, and it's not even a technically part of the mainline series. It's not a numbered Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's spectacular. It's like, imagine if you were playing chess and the characters you could level up, there was height and there were classes. I've That's seen Final Fantasy Tactics. I've seen Tactics be played. It's so fucking cool. And like, it's one of the, uh, another reason people like it or don't like it is it's, probably one of the more difficult final fantasies uh-huh but it's not because like everything's just mega hard it's just like you have to play well yep because it's again there's no there's no like twitch skill or dot you yeah it's kind of like dark souls yeah you just have a fucking battle and like if you don't strategize well you this shit will kick your ass yep and the funny thing is there's a couple parts because again it's a playstation game where you get into these when you do the storyline, they'll often be battle after battle after battle. Uh-huh. And it will give you the option to save in between those battles. People have gotten hard stuck. Oh, yeah. Because they they get like they're three out of the four battles in. They save, overwrite their main file, and they cannot beat the uh-huh. next fucking boss. And the only thing for them to do is start the whole game over again. Is, can you have multiple save states? You can. Okay. But when it came out, a, a, a PlayStation, a memory card could hold 15 saves total. Gotcha. Because each one took one block and you had 15 blocks on your memory card. Gotcha. So, and they were expensive. They well, were like, I mean, I remember like, that's one of those like, it's just like smart practice everyone knows these days where you don't have one save file. Yeah. You have back in the day, I remember just being like, oh, this is the top one. Just overwrite, overwrite, overwrite. Yep. Nowadays, you always run two or three, like run, run three or four save files. Like if you're a game, the, the other side of that is most games you can't get heart stuck anymore. Like most game designers have built that in. Yeah. But when you're playing an old game, you're like, yeah. okay, save one, save two, save three, save <laughs> yep. four, save five. Okay, we can start up again. Save, well, and they save. take so little memory too because yeah. it's a fucking Super Nintendo game. The, yeah. Like I downloaded the game like two minutes. Yep. <laughs> Just like done. Still Final Fantasy five installed. Probably three hours, but that's okay. Like it's less than a gig big. Like it's, it's yeah. tiny ass fucking game. Yeah. Um, so I've been having fun with that. I've been working my way through that. So that's a lot of fun. Um, 
So yeah, that's what I've been doing. How about Sweet. you? So for me, I had a pretty productive weekend where like I got the uh, I got my garage cleaned again. My dad came and got his motorcycle. He's been moving out slowly, and he finally got the motorcycle out. Well, one of his two, which mm-hmm. is really nice because it's a big hunk of space back. So my mom was thinking about moving, didn't move, but gave me a bunch of stuff from her garage. So it was kind of just thrown in there. And it kind of made me sad because we'd put a lot of work into organizing the garage and it was like actually had a lot of flow and had a lot of room and I was got fucking the, filled. The uh, downstairs garage? The lower garage, the lower yeah. Garage. My, lo- my, my my man cave. Yeah. And all just got filled. And it was just, it was a, t- it was a path. So he got his bike out and so I went through and kind of reorganized everything and basically packed a bunch of the le- lower use stuff in like the corner. So like, for example, my mom gave me some really old speakers she's had, big old tower speakers like you used to see because mm-hmm. I want to get some loud as fuck speakers set up in that room where I can go down there, plug my phone in and put some music on and just fucking blast music. Like if I've got the table saw going or the for- especially the forge, when the yeah. forge gets going, I can't hear anything. I'd love to have some music banging. I don't like having headphones in as much because one, as I'm, I'm moving around a bunch, I do lose them. Better headphones would fix that. But two, I don't like not being able to hear what's going on in the garage when I'm working there. Mm-hmm. So, Especially if you have a forge or a saw going like you need to be able to not only hear what the machines are going. If you're especially that. Yeah. But like, like even like if you were cutting something, you can I've used I've barely used any of these pet tools. You can tell you can kind of hear when something's not going right. Yeah, exactly. You, and uh, somebody who saws a bunch knows you, what it should sound like when yeah. this is going through. You cleanly. get a warning. Yeah. And I don't want to miss that. So, like, I've got those. I haven't got them wired up, so they're obviously just taking up space. I've got, like, one of the nice things my mom gave me, we have a bunch of big fans. My parents were always working outside, working on engines, working on motors, working on tractors. And so we had uh, a drag race. Like, we had some nice fans, which is something you don't think about. Having a nice fan to work outside a, in the heat. does a lot of good. Yeah, you have a fan that moves a lot of air, and so she gave me a couple of her really nice fans, and so that was finding homes for those and getting everything set up. She gave me her bandsaw, but I was able to organize everything and get it set up, which felt great. Um, I got from one of our patrons, we worked out a sweet trade where I gave him some beautiful pieces of cardboard that I do miss in exchange for a bunch of Warhammer stuff, a bunch of, I mean, looking at the value I got minimum that we're looking at 120 Plus probably so one seventy uh, plus one fifty is three hundred. What else did I get? Is that all I got? That that and that. So we're looking at just in demon demons over three hundred dollars in value, and I got half of a Tyranid army as well. Mm-hmm. It's a great setup where we both win. He has a printer and he's willing to work it and make it happen. I know he had to spend some money on the files, but I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of minis in exchange for hundreds and hundreds of dollars in cardboard. They came in, I got them assembled, I got them primed, I got them, there's a quick there's a quick and dirty painting method I'm looking forward to trying where you prime them black, you take gray paint, you dry brush, so you get the paint on the brush, you actually get almost all of it off, and you just hit the miniature all over, essentially adding highlights, just wherever the tall stuff is, is where it gets painted gray. Yeah. Then you put very thin layers of paint for color over the top, so like for me, their, their skin is like a teal blue very thin teal blue and what will happen is it will be blue but it'll show the shade change between the gray and the black and so you get shading off of that it's down and dirty it looks really good it's kind of like when someone based on what i've seen it's kind of like when someone knows like three or four chords on a guitar Mm -hmm. and they sound like they can fucking play guitar that's kind of what this is you look like you can paint minis 
from a couple feet away. But anyone that knew what they were doing would be like, oh, that's what I got you. Which I don't, like I said, I debate just playing with a fucking gray. <laughs> you know what I mean? So super excited about that. I did, um, they finally got the codex release for at least most of the stuff for mm-hmm. Warhammer. You can get a, their, their app is actually really good for all that shit. And they have a, it's free for now. So we'll see like what happens if they get rid of it. But they have like a, an army creator. Yeah. Which is super convenient and super nice. And I built, I put everything I have into it because I was talking to some friends. I should, actually, I sent you the picture of the army and it doesn't, yeah. it look, doesn't it look cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent it to some friends and I was like, hey, you know, what Because what do they run? And at our shop, they run about 2,000 points. So I put everything in, which I've, the way I've built this army is I literally just picked things that were pretty. I didn't do anything to like, what's, what should an army be? What's a good army? What are these troops? I don't know what they do. I have no idea what any of the troops do. I don't mm-hmm. fucking care. They're cool looking. And so I put them all in and I came out to like 1650, 1660 points or like 1580, something like that. 1580, 1600. I needed 300 more points or so. And luckily there's a giant miniature at the Sages shop where we go play that is they've had forever because somebody ordered it and never picked it up. It's called Bellacor. Mm-hmm. And he's a giant demon prince, and he's basically one of the leaders. So I actually have a keeper of secrets, which is like a tall leader, but you can have two of them, and I want him. <laughs> and he's like 350 points. There you go. So with him, I went and bought him. Um, I actually got back into doing plasma, so I could actually make him almost free. Went and bought him, uh, got him, started putting him together, and he looks so fucking cool. And it puts me at like 1,960 points for my army, which is close enough for me. I talked to some friends of mine, and like, how bad is it to have almost half of your army's value or a solid third of the army's value in two units and they're like i mean it's not a great idea but there's worse things to do it's okay and they're they're really good they're strong units so the funny thing is you'll probably actually do like my instinct is as a beginner you almost kind of want to do that because it's less to manage yeah, it is. and it allows you to focus 600 points of effectively strength oh yeah Assuming they're not like just didn't get shit on in the new update. Yeah, exactly. But assuming assuming they're good figures, yep. you can focus six hundred points of strength with like very little like tactical decisions. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, like just less to move. Yeah, I know that. It's like some of the downsides are obviously like I've seen some gameplay and there's a few basically mega guns in the game and that like they you know one shot thing. It's one of those things like Reanimator where. They actually don't hit super, super often, but when they hit, they just kill things. So and you there's a, roll a D10 and you lose. That's, <laughs> and so that's why you don't want to have, you know, two massive troops that, yeah, he might just laser across the map and, you know, one shot it or two shot it. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But the alternative was, like, to find those extra three or 400 points, I'm going to have to paint between six and 15 more minis. And that's just like, I just don't want to do that i looked at what's available for the slanesh armies which it's not a very fleshed out army just cut and dry i don't want anything else i could get doubles of some of the units i have which is a option but like i don't want to i like the army i sent you i really like i think it looks really cool there's like there's like there's going to be two massive generals in the back there's going to be the keeper of secrets and then bellicor then there's two dudes there's a mirror and then a dude those are like their mini generals then i have some centaur dudes and some cavalry and then I have an army of 40 demonettes. Oh, and then in the middle, I have my Hellflare chariot, mm-hmm. which is like that thing that like it looks the, like a fucking combine. For, yeah. like, like it's got it looks or it looks like a disc for a field where it's got two horses pulling it. And it's got spikes in the middle. They're supposed to churn over enemies and like, oh, looks so cool. 
I'm just really excited to get my army out and get to actually play around with it. But I was, I've been realizing with Sarah, like I might get into doing, um, I might try painting or assembling like miniature cars or something. Cause I have really, really enjoyed just cutting the stuff out and putting it together. And at the end, having a really cool looking model. Mm-hmm. Like I've been enjoying that almost as much as anything else, but I'm very excited to play. It was really cool to see the culmination of several months work start to come together of slowly buying models, whether on eBay or from patrons, getting them printed, getting them in the mail, slowly assembling and, and you know, going from the first thing I got was the mirror, which is super cool looking um, to now, like have that expand out to, I mean, like 50 models between 50 and 60 models and just had this, what looks like a legitimate army sitting mm-hmm. in front of me is really cool. I'm really excited to play with that. As far as gaming goes, I haven't done much gaming. I got back into iRacing a little bit, which I do love, but here's what I've decided with that. Cause I got back on and luckily the community I've gotten into is great. We have a, a coworker who does it and he got me into his discord and it's really fun. It's a lot like when I used to hang out with you and uh, Noah playing. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Like it's just fun just to hang out. I have decided I really do enjoy it as a driving simulator, not as a racing simulator. <laughs> I, It's my fault because I'm too competitive. I fucking hate racing other people. The number of times. And so I'm one. I suck. That's just cut and dry. I suck. And so I race people that suck. And the, every time I do a race and it just it, like I queued up for a race and did it. And I actually like didn't even finish the race. I was so fucking angry. The races queue the car I want to drive every, let's say, 35 to 45 minutes. So what that means is you got to catch one. Usually what happens is you hop on. Hey, there's one queuing up in, let's say, 25-ish minutes. Okay, I'll log into that one. I'll join it. You don't pay to join the races. You pay. It's a monthly, just like, wow. Yep. But I'm in. I can race. So then you go ta- You go just drive around, wait for 25 minutes. So like you can drive around and just do a test track, just goof around. And say, like, hey, your race is ready. So you 25 minutes for that. Once the race starts, there's two minutes of practice. And these numbers might be a little off, so no one don't at me. There's two minutes of practice. Then there's two minutes of qualifying where you go put down the fastest you get like you have to run two laps fast as you can um, to qualify which area you know where you where you, where you start. Yep. Then there's two minutes of um, queuing or pitting or whatever it's called where you get in the you get in your spot and then you race for 20 minutes. And the number of times that I've started a race and I race very conservatively because I'm what's more important than winning races is actually just driving safe, mm-hmm. getting good safety rating, like not getting in accidents, not spinning out, just driving safely and the number of times that i have tried to drive safely and just get rear-ended because, because somebody else ruins like my fucking race to the metal yeah because like they'll dive into a corner trying to pass me and they'll literally pit maneuver me it's happened like it happened mm-hmm. like in the first five laps it happened like three times where like through no fault of my own i'm just driving and some dickhead who doesn't know how to do this and is just desperately trying to move from sixth to fifth will completely fuck my turn and wreck us both. And like, I went from being in like sixth ish place to last or second to, to last. 16th. Yep. And I was like, cool. And then I, after I kept racing, I was obviously furious because it's to me, it's like you just wasted the last 40 minutes of my fucking life where, and don't, don't get, and also don't forget when you hit me, I get points. Yep. Because the, and that's the computer can't tell whose fault that is. The funny that they do the, they often do the same thing in real racing. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Doesn't like, matter who got in the accident. It's, you're in an accident. Yes. Like you. Yes. Yeah, so because you ran in me, I've like my goal is to get less than, let's say, six incident points for this race. And like you hit me. There's one. You spin me out. There's two for a total of three. Yeah. And then so I'm obviously just fucking fierce on top of I'm in like dead last or almost I'm getting lapped. 
and then like you know go keep going and fucking spin out in a corner or two just because now i'm pissed and not paying as close attention as i should be and then it's like well i'm done doing this i hate this yep whereas hopping in and like chit-chatting with the guys and girls there's a few girls in there too but the people and just putting down laps and racing or racing with them classic any game like just get three cool people in a in a session together that's all it takes and it's just so much doesn't fun. So really matter what the game is i have di- i have downgraded it from it is a phenomenal racing sim obviously but for me it's probably just gonna be a driving sim but it is wicked fun i did enjoy um re-downloading that and getting back into it a little bit i've been trying to pick the passions up a little bit um i did get back into blacksmithing a little bit i got sarah i tell you about that Sarah wanted new uh, curtain hangers. Oh, is that the things with the hearts? Yeah. That you showed on display? And so she asked me to make some, because our bedroom doesn't have, or has curtains on one mirror, or on one window, but not the other, and they don't really have any, I guess, what are they called? Curtain? Curtain? Rod? That's not, not a rod. But whatever. They hang yeah. the curtain rod. Yeah. And she asked me to make her some, and I was like, well, I could just take some metal and bend it, but I thought it'd be really cool, and I had her come help, so it makes it even cooler, where I took, I took round rebar, flattened it out, cut it in half, rounded those and then bent them into a cute heart shape for our bedroom and so i was you know i just had a lot of fun fucking around with that um i've been very much getting back into stuff i've been having a lot of energy the warm weather is probably part of it more sunshine is also a big part of it except the past two days well yeah except for the past two days we've gotten all the smoke from canada it's been freaking awful but like for me when the when the sun is up until nine o'clock it's a very good time of year for me that reminds that's just back when i used to take care of the horses at the farm. And that was always the best time of year because the days were long and we got a lot of shit to do. Whereas the dark, you know, horses need fed at five 30 cause it's getting dark outside and it's cold. So I love when it's sunlight until nine 30. I know it's harder for you cause you try and sleep during the day, but I go to bed at well, like midnight during the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, by definition, the sun is up, <laughs> yep. but for me, I, I love it. So I've been very energized. I've been having a lot of fun doing stuff like that lately. Eight daylight savings. I don't, I don't understand why everyone hates daylight saving time so much. Because to me, it makes sense. To me, I hate the fact that it's 8 o'clock and the sun's still out. Yeah. And then it's 9 o'clock and the sun's still out. And it's pushing 10 o'clock before it gets dark. Yep. And see, I like that. Yeah. The reason my mom always argued it to me as like why it's a good thing, and it might not be, but like it it resets so that the sun is up for kids in the morning. It was what she always told me was like the because there's the argument like oh it's for farmers blah 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 and it's like it doesn't matter farmers can farmers can just work like think about it. if they don't clock into a fucking nine to five job they just they work at the rate of the, they work when the, the sun is up yes or an hour before it they just work until the sun goes down like, it doesn't matter if the sun goes like but for me she always said it was a big deal because like they'll flip it over and it'll go from kids are getting on the school bus in pitch black to now the sun is coming up while the kids are standing around the streets also I just grew up liking it so fuck you your opinion is wrong. I hope they get rid of it. Do you know? They probably will. Do you know whose opinion is not wrong, though? Who's that? Our patrons. <laughs> uh, shout out every week. A little Thank bit you. of cheese for this hamburger. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining on. If you ever want to join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. It's a super awesome way to jump in and contribute to the podcast in a very real way, just like Empra, who puts our stuff on Reddit every single week. Thank you very much. And who has an amazing resin printer. Uh, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, Limit of Questions, Winter Rose, Becker, Derek T, His Forest, and Jasper. Um, I'm going to be honest, I've tried to keep this list up to date relatively. If you are a patron and I am missing you, please send me a message. It kind of just occurred to me the other day where I was like, I've never like done like a roll call to make sure everyone's getting the shout out they deserve. So I would greatly appreciate it if you let me know if I'm not. 
Uh, but the Discord has tons of fun, or the Patreon has tons of fun stuff. You get tons of bonus content every week. We record between 30 minutes and an hour extra every week for the Patreons only. You get into the Discord where there's all kinds of, uh, it's a relatively active Discord, lots of chatter. We do do, um, <laughs> do do like modern nights or we're trying to get some, we haven't gotten EDH to fire yet because it's kind of hard to get four people together all at once, but we've gotten some modern nights. I've talked about getting some legacy nights where, you know, we all just get together and slam some decks against each other. It's a super fun community. I, well, I think it's super fun and I think you all should consider joining it, but Matt, I believe that's everything I've got before the, or for the pre-show roll. So how is legacy looking? Way better than modern. (laughs) Spoiler alert, <laughs> it's not going to take long to tear through the modern top eight. <laughs> Although there is a couple new cards in modern, so that will give us at least something interesting to talk about. Yeah, well, I've got some, I've got a decent bit of, de- decent bit of discussion kind of planned out for some of the stuff we see. I mean, the the, the first place deck, with it, it's, it's Yawgmoth to yeah, jump the shark. Three, three, uh, three new cards in it. Uh, three new cards? Yep. What's the third? Uh, the Delighted Halfling. Yes, yep, yep. Okay, yeah, so I got some stuff to talk about on that. Go yep. ahead. So... Um, spoiler here, the other category is 43.75%, 14 of the top 32 this week in Legacy is it's, other. It's kind of funny, like, the meta doesn't, meta looks like, if you, because you look at the, the metagame breakdown, and there's so few decks there. It's because they're all lumped into other. Because they're all in other, and so, like. Now, to be fair, Grix's tempo is also five, ugh. so <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's in second place, but the winner uh, Ganesh69 brought it home with Mono Red Painter. Did they seriously just make Blue Red Delver and throw? Yep, that's what I thought they would do. Yep. <laughs> it's exactly what you, if you've been paying attention yep. to the spoilers, it's exactly what everyone kind of thought what would happen. Yep. Um, so, but we'll wait for that. So, we've got Mono Red Painter. I want to, the big thing I'm looking for this week is I want to see if we've got any of the new Lord of the Rings cards in the set. Yeah. in the deck. That's like so I had made the I had made the prediction that I thought Lord of the Rings would shake up modern a bit. I thought there were some legitimately uh modern power level cards without being oppressive, I will add. I don't think we were very afraid that this was going to be a Modern Horizons 3 and I don't think it was. There's definitely some standout so cards. Hasn't been. So far it hasn't been. There's definitely some standout cards in the set for sure, but it wasn't like Modern Horizons in the best way possible. Yeah. Um so I'm just going to go through this Anything that's not new, I want to go through a little quicker just so we have time to talk about the new stuff, particularly yeah. in modern. But uh, so we've got looking just looking at the list here. So we got the welder, the engineer, I mean, spirit guide, lightning blast or lightning bolt, the blasts. Yeah, there doesn't look like there's anything new in this list. Um, there might be tweaks to numbers here or there. I'm not an expert on painter. Um, so, but I don't see any A, I don't see any of the Lord of the Rings cards in the main. Mm-hmm. And B, I don't see anything like wildly different trying to like catch the metagame, so to speak. So here's something that is interesting. And um, I'm going to make a reference to uh, Everyday Eternal with Julian and uh, Callum and Sawatarix. And I'm not I'm not at one bit throwing Callum under the bus. And I mean that literally. He was talking about um, a way to look at Orcus Bowmasters, I believe, in their last podcast. So that was before the set was legal. So there was no evidence. And he was talking about how he had already removed goblin welder from his deck mm-hmm. because he is so afraid of the bowmaster plague on x1s that bowmaster will create where x he just comes in on top of just punishing a lot of things in case of point you know grixis tempo is running it punishing a lot of things you want to do in legacy it also just kills x1s for free we thought plague engineer was a fucking bad card for elves yeah 
So like it's he was very and I mean he wasn't like the sky is falling, but he was very doom and gloom about the outlook that card is going to create on Legacy. And so I'm eager to see where it goes in the coming weeks because we're the set's been barely legal. Like these cards, keep in mind, I'm, I'm going to pull up this tempo list because I want to see what the price is. But I bet the price on a, on MTGO is horrendous. Orcus Bowmasters for three of them is $120. <laughs> They're 40 yeah. bucks a piece. <laughs> so like these cards are just horrendously expensive. So yeah. that's going to keep it down quite a bit. Just the people that can afford to play them or rent them. In paper, them. they're 106. Yeah, they're they're like 25, 26 dollars a piece in paper too. Um, so I want to see where this goes as these as this kind of settles out in Legacy. But that to me makes it noticeable. Where you have a person who is a, a very established painter player and is very successful with the deck, and he was talking about how he's trimming on X ones for fear of that card. Whereas this one has four Goblin Welders still. Yeah, and I could. I can see still running the welder because it's just like, well, worst case scenario, a welder is cheaper. So you're at least ahead on mana. Um, B, if you, it's not like your whole deck is weak to it and your whole deck doesn't rely on it. So it's kind of one of those things. Like I don't feel bad if I just play a welder and it dies because they already die all the time anyways. Yeah. And like, so a it's bait already B it's cheap and C like if it doesn't die, it can just fucking win the game. That's one way so to look at like it. A, it's not like it's not like you're just basic threat where it's like like a DRC, for example, yeah. where it's just like, well, if this comes down and dies, cool, whatever. Yep. This one's just like, if you don't answer welder, you're in deep shit. Yep. It's kind of like goblin guide. It's on, a one mana make him have it. What's the what's the goblin that puts goblins into play? Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't. But yeah, the the turn one where it's like, hey, if you don't goblin kill lackey. this, yeah, if, if you don't kill goblin lackey, you might just lose. Yeah. Um, I look at it as, and this was a, a mentality I've, I learned in EDH, um, and I've carried over to the way I think about cards is like you, like something's got to die. Yep. And so like the only other X one in the deck is actually, it's the only X one in the deck, Yep. but like Orcish Bowmasters has to get pointed at something. And so like, it's either going to be it or you, I'll be honest. I thought painter servant was a one, one. So I thought by playing, you could pseudo protect your painter servant Painter Servant's a 1-3. I'm an idiot. But, like, it's going to kill something. It's going to do something. Now, in fairness, there are with there being no other X-1s, it might, might be some value in... Yeah, that's the other... The flip side is I, I go, cool, okay, I take I, this out and I don't have a... I came into this argument pretty strong. I really thought Painter Servant was a was a, was a a yeah. like a 1-3 or a 1-1. One, one. So, yeah, there when it literally is... It's kind of like uh, the argument of... So, to, to finish my previous thought, it's okay to play cards that your opponents are going to kill because all like you have other cards that then they won't kill. Yeah. So don't be like, oh, well, it just dies to Doomblade. And it's like, well, yes, but if this one dies to Doomblade, the next one will not or the third one will not. Uh, but in this, there is real value possibly in removing that X1 while you're saying that you're right. It does just win the game, but you do get to make those Orcish Bowmasters just dead draws against you because you don't draw extra cards. You do, it, They'll do they make two one ones. That's it against you. So that is really relevant. The The flip side to me is I go, I don't stop playing Natural Order bec- or Glimpse of Nature because people run Force of Will. Yep. I like, give 100%. Like, yeah. So he's got some answers for my deck. Yep. They always have. He just has slightly different ones. Again, what I'm looking for is how efficient is the trade? Yeah. I'm paying. It's one mana. Like, it's one. as cheap yep. as it gets. It's very powerful. I'm not going to cut it. If you answer it, you answer it. Yep. Like, you don't cut back in the Deathrite Shaman days. You don't cut Deathrite Shaman because it's a kill on sight card. Yeah. You run kill on sight cards because if they're not killed, you win the game yeah. with them. <laughs> like that's how I look at it. Unless unless the creature has huge 
blowout potential. Yep. Because that's the flip side. Something Goblin like, Welder does not. Well, if, for example, there are times you board Natural Order out. Correct. Because while Natural Order is an absurdly powerful thing to do, the blowout potential is too high. Right. Against some decks. Against some decks. Glimpse of Nature, on the other hand, it's still just one mana. Yep. Worst case scenario, it's frequently just him to Turok for one green. Yep. And so, quite often it just draws you, it just draws you, it churns you through a lot of your deck. And now that's, the, the upside is it just wins. Yeah. The upside, it win, the upside is it. You draw your whole deck and you win the game. Uh-huh. The like middle tier is like you, it's ancestral recall. Yep. And then the low tier is it's countered. Or I mean, technically speaking, if you, you can get into some situations where it's effectively a, like a dead draw Uh because it's like you can if you draw it off an empty hand in a semi-useless board state like it is kind of just like oh great yep because it doesn't do anything that turn but you can just set it up so it's like well this just makes my next couple draws a lot better Uh but it just requires planning and skill yeah so it's not just you know drawing lightning bolt off the top that's why i don't play elves um well nobody else does i've been i've been playing reanimator yeah uh and i this we can go on to the Grixis tempo thing because uh, this conversation is going to revolve around this Orcus Bowmaster anyway, Bowmaster anyways. But like, so we've got basically blue red Delver with Bowmasters. Yep, and it's, and it's got this. This got is a, a Gri- this is a Grixis list. Yes, it's got. We've got a couple thought seizes, a snuff out, and a Night's Whisper. But like, Night's fundamentally, Whisper's, Night's Whisper is probably the most questionable card here. To me, I look at Night's Whisper and go, yeah, it's pretty bad uh, expressive iteration, but expressive iteration is a pretty good card. Yep. <laughs> it's like we were already paying two to go up a card. So what do you do you think what do you think is better in this deck? Night's Whisper or Predict? Because you've got some pretty insane synergies with Predict. Um one, pitching to force a will, irrelevant. Yep. Two, you have DRC, which always sets it up. You have Delver, which often sets it up. You've got Brainstorm ponder which most of the time sets it up if it's just a one of i'd probably just rather have knight's whisper the reliability just because i yeah i just want the rely like to me that's what this looks like we're also talking wasn't there an instant version of this don't know well that made not because we're talking about instant versus sorcery too which is huge and so there to just more comparisons i guess knight's whisper can dome your opponent for two whereas predict well knight's whisper can't there's there's a oh, two black one called Sign in Blood that that's target I'm player draws black too. black so yeah so yeah so you can't even dome your you Knight's Whisper can never never negatively affect your opponent whereas Predict can yeah. and there are times when predicting them to clear the top is relevant yep the I mean case I can think of a great time I can think of was Doomsday mm-hmm. a Predict can totally kill a Doomsday player yeah yep I'm gonna cycle my last card cool Predict right I'm gonna name you are already dead. <laughs> Okay, mill that card. <laughs> now go ahead and draw one. Yep. Yeah, it's a uh... interesting, it's an interesting, interesting decision. Yep. Whereas I think because we've talked about like Delver looked for a two mana card advantage spell in that slot, and I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but like, or if I even mentioned it to you, Knight's Whisper popped into my head. But basically, the conclusion I came to is just like I almost kind of just like I thought about it and I was like, well, it's black. Yep. That's literally what oh, yeah. I was like. It's not worth going into a third color. Literally the reason. So everyone's been losing their mind over or- Orcus Bowmasters, right? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I, I the more I've thought about it, the more I've kind of been like, eh, it's pretty fucking good. But it's, that was my first thought too. Was like, oh, cool. It's black. Mm-hmm. So there's real costs. If you want to put Orcus Bowmaster in your deck, you got to fucking run black mana. Yeah. But we should say what Orcus Bowmaster does. Yeah. 
<laughs> so it is a two mana one one with flash. It's a one and a black, uh, an orc archer. When it enters the battlefield and whenever an opponent draws a card except the first one they draw in each of their draw steps, orcish bowmaster deals one damage to any target. Then amass orcs one. Yep. Which the amass mechanic is, uh, if you don't have an army, you make a zero zero army token and then put a put that many plus one plus one counters on it. And then anytime you would amass another amount. You just put those counters on that creature. You never, you can never have two orc armies, but you can have an ever-growing army. Yes, it does get big. It does quickly become. So you think about uh, like a brainstorm makes a three-three. Actually, it makes a four-four. Effectively, yeah. If you were to play it in response to brainstorm, makes a four-four deals four damage to any target. Yep. Actually, it deals four damage up to four targets. Mm-hmm. So it's powerful, and it's, especially in legacy, it's got some power. The downside is it's, it's black. Yeah, and so this to me is like there they've been Delver's been tinkering with a few other cards. There was like the spell dancer guy. There was the one that like pseudo punished drawing that we talked about for a while. I can't even remember what it did. Um, the fairy thing, the guy with the the weird face. Oh, <laughs> the weird look. Fairy the mastermind. The, yeah, that one. The one that had the the real person's face. Yeah, it's slapped on top. Very of much a cartoon drawing, but they with a dude's face on it. Like it wasn't like solemn simulacrum where it looks or. Uh, or um, like Snapcaster, Snapcaster Mage is the Mage. epitome of it, where it's like that looks like just a whole like top to bottom. It was all drawn this one thing. Yes, this looks like a weird fairy that then had his face oh, put on it out, off, <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so like you've got a bunch of like basically a bunch of dicking around going on uh-huh. in that two mana slot. Yep. Whereas fundamentally, what Delver wants to do is beat face. Yep. Orcish Bowmaster beats face. It does. And like. It, so we saw how powerful Sheldred was because you can't draw your way out of a Sheldred. You can't brainstorm, ponder, brainstorm out of a Sheldred because you just lost a bunch of life. This isn't as bad. But you're still... You're, but you you still can't... You can't cantrip your way out of an Orcish Bowmasters. One, you're taking a bunch of damage. And two, you're making a huge creature. Yep. So yeah. it is very good in that regard. If you can make your black mana work, Grixis Delver is the first one that just makes sense to me where we got to try this card out. Yep. Hey, let's cut some steam vents for some underground seas and yep. call it good. Pretty much. <laughs> hey, you know that land that kind of actually sucks in our deck? Let's cut that one out and run the second best island in the game. Yep. Like, so, yeah. There is one more new card in here. So, we've gotten to card three. <laughs> now, continuing down the list, let's see here. So, we got Brainstorm, Ponder, Thoughtseize, Days, Nights, Whisper, Snuff Out, uh, all right, so we've got Call of the Ring. So two mana, one one and a black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, the ring tempts you. Whenever you choose, whenever you choose a creature as your ring bearer, you may pay two life if you do draw a card. This card is almost just better than Bob, in so my opinion. What does I don't have it in front of me? What does the ring tempts you do? The ring tempts you is uh the ring the ring tempting you is a mechanic where it's like it's like the pseudo monarch type thing it's kind of like monarch a little bit oh no it's not actually it's not you both can be tempted different amounts it's well, not i just mean it's like a that perpetual kind of thing so, like, yeah yeah so it's i was thinking of it more like a dungeon or whatever where yeah, when you principle. play it you there's a token that represents the ring tempting you there's four levels of temptation every time the ring tempts you the first thing you do is you uh you may choose a creature that creature becomes your ring bear and becomes legendary so you have a legendary delver of secrets gotcha um Notably, if you were to make a second Delver of Secrets your ring bear, it is that becomes legendary and the legend rule would hit. 
it stays legendary. That's right. And you can have your ring bearer move around. Every time you tempt, you can put to a new. But as soon as you've held the ring, so to speak, you're legendary. Yes. Yeah. 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 As soon as you've been a ring bearer. So then there's tons of effects that the ring does that affects primarily your ring bearer. The first one is, oh gosh, I think the first one is you. Okay. The first one is your ring bearer cannot, and these are static effects. It's like a, you get like an emblem. Your ring bearer cannot be blocked by creatures with greater power than it. So if you're if you're if it's a, if it's a one one, it can it's only be blocked by zero or one power. The second one is whenever your ring bear attacks, you loot, draw one, then discard. The third one is whenever a creature blocks your ring bear, its controller sacrifices it at the end of turn or end of combat, whatever. So if it blocks a ring bear, it has to die. It has to get sacrificed. The fourth one is, and the fourth is the final. Whenever your ring bear deals damage to an opponent, they lose an extra three life. Those are the rings. So the ring tempting you. And there's no downside? No. There is no downside. Which which is kind of weird. That was the biggest like flavor fail where like I kind of thought the ring tempting you would be one. It should be like and then the ring tempts you the fifth time you lose the game. Something like that. Like you can't just tempt forever, but you can. So this says... You know, at the beginning of your upkeep, so every turn, the ring tempts you. So you get, and you can choose the same creature. You can just keep choosing Delver of Secrets. If I'm understanding you correctly, you move down a list, or is it you pick one on a list? Move down. Gotcha. And so you get everything. So it's similar to like the Undercity without the decision tree. Yeah, you get all of it. Everything you've, once you've, or it's closer to like leveling up a creature. Yeah. You get all of it. Sure. So, actually that's not true either, because the creatures, they change, don't they? So A little bit. It's weird. But yeah, you get, you get, once you get to level two, you get one and two, and then you get one, two, and three, and then one, two, and three, and four. But, so, one in a black, just like Bob, um, does a thing on your upkeep, just like Bob, and that thing can involve drawing a card. Only if you have a creature, though. So that's important. So whenever you choose a creature as your ring bear, so you can choose the same Delver as your ring bear again, and you can draw a card again. You will never get to pay zero for a land, like Bob, but you'll never pay more than two. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you flip over Murktide or Snuff Out or Force of Will. It's only two life. And you may. Yeah. Which, so theoretically. So if you're sitting at two, you just don't do it. It will never kill you outright. Yeah. Like, this might just be better than Bob. Now, Bob hasn't been a legacy playable card for quite a while. So I'm not saying that immediately catapults into legacy playable. But it is just better than Bob. Almost. As far as the drawing the cards go, it's pretty comparable. It's yeah. almost it's almost entirely comparable, and it's way harder to kill than Bob. The flip it, side is it doesn't kill your opponent. It doesn't. Bob was a 1-3? Uh, a 2-1. Two, a 2-1. Two, so, yeah, Bob can get in for damage, and that is relevant. This cannot kill your opponent, but it does make it easier to kill your opponent because it does make your creatures very difficult to block. And you can make Orcish Bowmasters your ring bear or your army, your 3-3 your three, three army, and all they have is a Knight of the Reliquary that's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Like, you could, there, there's... You can get damage in a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And especially after a couple turns, having your anything do an extra three damage is relevant. It's really relevant. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm curious to see where it goes. I think it's a really cool card. Again, it's black. It's one in a black. So you have to deal with running black in your deck. But if you have black mana, I think it's a really good card. If you have black mana and a lot of creatures, because it's also relevant. If you have no creatures, it doesn't yeah, trigger. it's useless basically now i don't think that detracts from it in regards to bob because if you have no creatures bob doesn't trigger either because they've killed your bob yes and no you can in theory you could if you wanted to you could throw bob in a control deck with no other creatures yes 
and Bob, Bob's still going to draw. Like if you have call of the ring and Bob and nothing else, Bob will still draw Bob, you cards. Bob will always draw you a card. This one yeah. will always draw you a card, but, but Bob also sometimes kills you. <laughs> Bob also sometimes kills you. And I say, I think Bob will draw you. I think Bob and especially in this deck, Bob would draw you less cards overall because they're going to kill Bob. Whereas this is a lot harder for most decks to kill. Eh, yes and no. Prismatic ending being around. But so Prism yes, but Prismatic ending also kills Bob for the same I know, rate. But what I mean is like there's enchantments just aren't they don't oh, they're have not that untouchable. Like, that well they they basically used to be. Yes. Yeah, they like, used to be. Yeah. Especially in game one. But, that was the big one. It's like you can I, play an enchantment in game one and I'm just saying everything that kills um prismatic ending within reason kills Bob. Everything that kills Bob doesn't even come close to killing Prismatic Ending. Oh, I know. I know. Or not I'm, Prismatic Ending, but... Obviously, enchantments are harder to call kill. The, call the one ring. Call it's the just ring. It's just within the context of the legacy metagame. Oh, yeah. Sylvan... An enchantment is not nearly as untouchable as it is. Yeah, used Sylvan to be. Library isn't just a guaranteed win anymore. Right. Like, there was a time when if you'd slam... If you were to resolve your Sylvan Library like against a control deck, you just hope you draw your cancel ju Council Judgment, bud. Right. Because I'm going to be looking at or drawing three cards a turn. Correct. Same thing with, like, Carpet of Flowers. Yeah. Like, like you and just, you can tell that like prismatic ending had a very real effect because of stuff like chalice and uh -huh. carpet of flowers just got dumped on. Oh, they did. It was it's bad. Just like, well, this card's in fucking everything. I think Sylvan Library <laughs> took a big hit too. Like Sylvan Library oh, yeah. used to be a phenomenal card, and it's just you just can't afford to take two turn two off to have it uh, at parity. Well, it doesn't do shit. Answered, yeah, because it does nothing. Right. It ETBs does nothing. Yep. So you pass, and then they go cool. It's yeah. dead. Kill it. Like, and against a control deck, the last thing you want to do is not progress the game on uh -huh, turn two. Exactly. Like, the, the control deck's happy to go, okay, we each drew a card and I made a land drop. We're good? Uh -huh. <laughs> cool, let's move on to turn three. <laughs> um, outside of those two cards and the, the Knight's Whisper and Snuff Out, the rest of the deck is pretty much the same. So outside of the changes, the deck is the same. Um, Top tier commentary from Cantrip Cartel this week. <laughs> yep. No, I we keep mentioning it and I've I've mentioned this specifically a couple times. At some point, there's going to be enough good black cards that black is no longer a joke. Yep. I don't know if we're there yet. There's for sure one good we're, one here. Maybe two. Yeah, we're getting there, though. Yeah. I mean, there's two. I mean, to be fair, you've got Bowmaster, Thoughtseize, oh, and sorry. Snuff Out. What I meant was two new ones. Yeah. But, like, as far as just the critical mass of black cards. Yeah. We've got three of them in this deck yep. where it's just like all three of those cards. Snuff out's a little questionable, but in the current metagame, snuff out's fantastic. Yeah. And it doesn't look like Merc Titan, the initiative creatures are going anywhere anytime soon. No. So like snuff out's good. So we put it in with the group of good black cards. There's now, you know, a few of them. Yep. We're getting there. So it, in the long run, that presumably should change and black shouldn't be quite as much of a joke, legacy yep. joke as it is. And on, and on that day, Orca Spellmasters will own Legacy. The sideboard also has Cast Into the Fire, which I'm, uh, which is also one of the Lord of the Rings ones. So it's a two-mana red instant, uh, one in red. Choose one, Cast Into the Fire deals one damage to up to each to each of up to two creatures or Exile tar Target Artifact. So Fork Solid. Bolt. Yeah, it's a pseudo Fork Bolt with uh, a great chatter attached to it. Yep. So that seems like a solid sideboard card what is at Del least to test out what does delver want to exile as an artifact um the staring bridge i don't think i mean there's plenty of artifacts the exile is probably not super important 
in fact the exile could in fact be a downside like if you're playing against karn and you exile their yeah they get it back. bridge they can get it back um to me i look at this and i go they all delver's kind of tooled around with fork bolt for a while anyways yeah it, it has it's been a while that's since what i was gonna it. say but then it's also so it's a fork bolt with some utility attached on to it fork bolt deal two damage to one creature though it could so like i said it's not quite fork bolt yeah it's a little worse it's a little worse but most of the time it's fork bolt yeah uh if i remember correctly fork bolt was also a i could be wrong there oh that's super relevant yes so fork bolt's a sorcery um this is not so that matters quite a bit i mean it's hard to it's hard to overstate how big of an improvement a card gets from gaining instant speed especially removal yeah removal is just like way better um also the big thing to me as i look at this is like if i don't want to say the card would be worse but as the exile target artifact it would be worse if it cost one it costing two gets you around most chalices yep. which is a big gonna be a big target for this yeah, card it's a true. two mana answer to chalice it's in a braid yes so that's important um let's see then we've got counterbalance Sheldred's edict which we've talked about Court of cunning so the number i feel like i'm like 50 50 on whether or not Sheldred's edict is an amazing fucking card and i find myself and the other other half of the time i find myself stressing to create a board state where it's a card i want to play where like i'm just sitting here being like please don't play a creature please don't play a creature fuck my edict doesn't do anything cast it in response to their creature i presume like i was playing pioneer yeah. like i'm tapped out yeah like I've killed their thing or I, I played a thing and then he, you know, he developed his board or whatever and then developed again. And I'm like, fuck, I, this edict doesn't do anything I need. To. But then there's also been times where like they go like I literally happened where I was playing against uh, DC on Pioneer and he played turn two or turn three Narset. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe I'd gone first, but like I, 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 I he went turn three Narset and did his thing. I said, cool. End of your turn. Shelter's edict. Destroy your Narset. And then on my turn, I'm going to play Chandra. And like the swing of that game was just like this game's fucking over. Yep. His Narset's gone. He doesn't get the extra card out of it. He did go up a card, but I got to slam my four drop planeswalker. It's uncontested. I'm gonna start gaining value. Like, and he'll never catch up. And never catch up. And there's not a lot of cards that do that. It's for two mana. Are like just kill your Narset. Yeah, it's that to me. It's probably my favorite edict because it hits planeswalkers. Yeah. Like the what you had mentioned is a weakness of all other edicts. Yes. Where it's like, oh, they played another creature. Yep. Now it's worse. Okay, that's and it is that's strong. always the case. It does dodge a lot of those weaknesses because By you getting, can say non-token. Yeah, so you can get around some of that shit. Yep. Um, but the ability to hit planeswalkers is huge. It's it's again, it's I and find, to always hit a planeswalker. Yeah, because each opponent sacrifices a planeswalker. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that like I find myself half the time just in my mind singing the praise of this card and how amazing it is. And also being like, fuck, I have to I have to play suboptimally or play different. Yeah. Or- now they, they cast a 1-1 one, one uh-huh. and I can't kill their Merktide regent. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. they've got Elder Gargaroth and a fucking Llanowar Elf. And it's like, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shit. I can pay two mana to kill a Llanowar Elf, Elf on yeah. turn six. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, so yeah, three uh, Lord of the Rings cards in this set or from that set in this deck. Um. Let's see what we've got. This is just labored, labeled colorless. Yep, mono brown. Yep, so I was making sure it wasn't some weird Tron thing, or not Tron, but... Did uh, you know post. that eight soul lands is really good? I've heard that. I think we've mentioned that a couple times on the yeah, show. Yeah, um, it turns out that when you get to run eight soul lands, 
and things like Manifold Key and Grim Monolith and Mox Diamond and Mox Opal. You can do powerful you things. You can do crazy powerful things crazy fast. Like, I don't know, slam a Trinisphere or slam a Chalice of the Void. Right. Back it up with one of the four mana Karns and start getting value. Well, and the fun, the thing I like about this deck, just on the the mana curve here, if you can call it that, there's nothing that costs more than four. Yep. And that's and there's no reason in theory. Obviously, you want to keep doing this, but like you can go turn one city of traders, turn two ancient tombs, yep. and cast everything in your deck yep. rather than like having to be forced into weird situations where you need to get colored mana, like double red. Uh-huh. Where you're like, fuck. I need, I've got that City of Traders for my turn one chalice, but I've got a Chandra in my hand uh-huh. or I need that double red. Like, like that, I'm so far away from casting the spell. You get these weird fucking um, hands where you're like, I can play this half of my hand uh-huh. or this half of my hand, but not my whole hand. Yep. And that's one of the weaknesses of City of Traders. Probably, I mean, you can still run into that with this because it's just the weakness of the card. Yeah. But this type of mana mitigates it to a large it degree. It does. Um, so yeah, that is one of the big things with me is you can go turn one ancient tomb, turn two city of traders, Karn, and just be like, cool, I can just cast everything in my fucking deck now. Uh-huh. And you've got Mox Diamond to Mox Diamond and Mox Opal to get you a little bit more mana, like to get like you've well, got a couple sideboard cards. It allows you to colorless too. You know, it allows you to supplement that city of traders without playing more lands. So the rest of the deck, I mean, it's just I don't see anything cool or tricky in here. I mean, it's I will say, anytime I see serum powder, I go, nice. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, too, love serum powder. <laughs> it's just a fun meme. Like, it's a good card, but yeah. it's just like, <laughs> serum powder. Um, But yeah, I don't see anything super tricky in here. Just some mana rocks, accelerating out Karn, putting out some lock pieces with yep. a chalice or a pithing needle. Loop Urza sagas. Yep, loose loop Urza sagas. Or blast zones. Correct. So, like, there's plenty to do, but there's there's no, like one two punch uh-uh. except for the mycosynth lattice yep. in the side so there is a ratchet bomb on the side yep and so i want to give proper a kudos we had a response to our reddit post thank you to emperor hookasop brought this up and del not del in the discord also brought this up because we had a long discussion on like why on earth is ratchet bomb better or worse than powder keg and we missed read over a very important line of text Powder Keg hits permanence, artifacts and creatures, just artifacts and creatures, all of yeah. them, which includes Sea to Synod or all of any the, of the artifact lands. Any of the artifact lands that can be destroyed. Whereas Ratchet Bomb hits non-land, non-land permanence. So it hits more relevant things. But we talked about for that deck, it didn't matter. No, neither of them affected you more or less. But Powder Keg can just strip mine um, or worse. Cast. Yeah, eight cast or any deck running artifact lands, but you know, like like eight, like eight cast. Yep. So if you're if you've got that card specifically in there against eight cast or any artifact land deck, it makes a perfect sense why you have it. Yep. If it's not specifically in there, I think we're still correct in that Ratchet Bomb just yep. in general hits because way more things. Ratchet Bomb hits um, planeswalkers and enchantments, which are and, and battles technically, but are but you wouldn't want to destroy a battle. You could destroy a battle. On, I guess you could destroy a battle you're defending. But anyway, like relevant, very relevant text when it when it destroys everything. Whereas Powder Keg destroys creatures and artifacts. Yep. So it was cool to get the uh, 
get some feedback on it, that. I was, it was kind of funny. So it was driving me nuts. I'm like, what the, like, there's, because every time we see something like that, the caveat is clearly there's a reason yep. they ran this. What the fuck why is it? We're just not seeing it. Why can't I see it? Yeah. So I'm glad somebody uh, mentioned it, got back to yes. us. So thank you to everybody who, who got us caught up on why we're idiots. But yeah. Other than that, we've got a typical, fairly typical Karn wishboard with a shadow spear as well for the uh, Urza saga. Of course. Um, but then we've got some dismembers and ley line of the void as well. So just more, a couple quote black cards that you just don't spend mana on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool little mono brown. We've got, hey, so I was curious. Now we've got our fourth. Was it fourth? Because how many did Delver have? Uh, what Del do you mean? A fourth uh, Lord of the Rings card. Delver three. had three, right? Yep. So now we've got fourth Aer Lingus. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. That was actually unintended, but yep. <laughs> it works. Uh, so we've got a Jeskai Delver list yes. where we just cut Murktide. Which is, I will, uh, wrong, but okay. I, I mean, like, it's fine. I'm curious to see where it goes. We've got four Delver of Secrets, four Dragon Rage Channeler. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird for sure. Um, but fourth Aer Lingus kind of fills that spot where you're dumping mana into it. The big thing with me, though, if we, have, we haven't even talked about this card. So it's red, white, and X for sorcery. Create X, 2-2, two, two, red human knight creature tokens with trample and haste. Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to one or more players, this turn you become the monarch. So let me let me clarify. I'm not saying it's wrong to run this card. This card looks awesome. It really does. And I, I remember I heard it get spoiled. I heard someone talking about it. And I was a big fan of this. I just don't think you should take Merktide out. Yeah, the so I'm looking at this. I'm just like, because let's for argument's sake, let's say we wanted to run this card. Yeah. At that point, it's either Merktide or Swords to Plowshares. I just think if you want to run this like, card, you should run more creatures. I just well, think you should run more creatures. I'm just looking creatures. at this list. Like if we're looking at this list. Yeah. And we're going, okay, What's we're going to run cut? this. The, e the I mean, that's the change. Yeah. The change is tied for swords. Now, depending on how powerful this is, they've got them at a full four of. Like, I would be tempted to cut like one spell pierce, one fourth Aerolingus, and run two Murktide. Because yeah. I like Swords of Plowshares. If you're if you already are making your mana base weak for white, I'm actually a big fan of like just run the best removal spell ever printed. Mm -hmm. So like I'm a huge fan of those swords, and I don't want to cut those. I would trim on the spell the spell pierce, which obviously is a phenomenal card, but is narrow, and the uh, and one fourth go down to three, but. Something that is relevant, and I'm sure you caught it, but I didn't the first time I heard it. You don't have to pay anything for X. Mm -hmm. You can just you have, can just go two swing with Delver, Drog. take Monarch. Yeah, take the Monarch and then Create draw a and card, become Monarch, which is huge, especially when. And that's like I could see like it's a little different with Merktide because Merktide frequently does only cost two anyways. Uh -huh. But like I could see wanting to build this with just cheap flyers, yeah, just so you can take advantage of the monarch, yep, and more. keep it, yeah, um, and not have to have like dedicated space to yep. like an expensive card. Now, you know, drawing the direct comparison to something like Merktide, it does scale well, but like you didn't run Merktide because it scaled well, I guess it scales with the yeah. end of the game, and then in, the, in that regard. But if you plan on having a bunch of mana, because you know, at the end of the game, if you can pay, you know, five mana, make six power. Hit him for yeah. six, maybe take Monarch. Like, that's relevant. To me, that is the accidental upside of this card and not why it's being run. Because um, in general, I mean, Delver still only has... So we've got seven colored mana-producing lands and four wastelands. 
Like this is never going to be something a high mana deck, a high mana deck and like fourth air lingus is not going to ever realistically consistently have an X more than two or three. No, 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 no. And it's a sorcery. So like you've got Delver tapping out for four in the middle of the game to make two, two twos. Mm -hmm. Like at that point I go, yeah, I'd rather just fucking have Murktide. Yep. Um, but I can absolutely see this being like, eh, two mana swing with my DRC. Yeah. And now I've, because re- what's that's what I see. What's, I mean, yeah. What's that remind you of? A card drawing engine that costs two mana? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we found a replacement for Express yeah. Federation. That guys. was my first thought was like, you can literally just go turn one DRC, turn two, fourth Aerolingus attack. I take the Monarch. Monarch's in this game on turn two. And I have and it. I have Good it. luck. Good luck. And, yeah. There's a lot of decks that are going to struggle. And that's and we, and we just said, what is the one thing that will reliably make Delver oppressive in every format? Yep. Consistent card advantage. Consistent card advantage. So I get it hundred percent there. Yeah. And then, like you said, and it kind of comes back to what I was talking about at that point. Like if we're, if we're going to assume we're playing this card and let's just, because we're testing, this is just how people test in general. You run four of, right? Which I could definitely see the yeah, argument yeah. of cutting those, cutting a couple, yeah. at least probably one. Um, cause a lot worse in multiples. Yep. Um, then it's right back to, okay, cut the spell pierce. Like I, I personally would not want to have fewer than three Merktide. So I would probably cut spell pierce one fourth and then probably a swords. Like I'd be happy with two swords. Uh, you've got a ton of cantrips and you already have four lightning bolts. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Like, I get that. That's, but that's depending on, I mean, for all we know, fourth could be amazing and you actually do want four copies. Good. And I just find it'd be it, hilarious to me if this card pushed Mark Tide out. I, of the that's what I was going to say. See like, it happening. It would be amazing to me if this, like, that this is better than Mark Tide. But be cool. Expressive Iteration is a good card. Maybe, maybe Delver doesn't need a fast clock. Maybe they just need card advantage. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, the proof is kind of in the pudding a little bit. Delver of Secrets has been playable, but I mean, it's only since the ban, it's only top aided a couple times in these Sunday challenges. That's true. We don't see and it quite often. I don't even think it's one. Nope. I mean, maybe. It may be. It, sure. I think it had one it week been, where it kind of like, oh, crap, a lot of Delver. Yeah. But, but it has not been consistent at all. And what they do, they got rid of the card advantage. They didn't get yep. rid of Merktide, which I still think is an egregious card. Yep. But maybe with Delver in particular, it's just Delver and DRC are good enough. Yep. <laughs> like, just give me some card draw. It does make me really nervous, though. Like, if I was a Delver player only having eight ways to kill your opponent. Because like control decks have twelve ways to kill their creatures. <laughs> yeah, and I I hate when what I'm because I'm just looking at the basic bitch math here, yeah. right? Where I'm like, well, they have four force wills and I only have three natural orders. Yep. <laughs> like they can counter every one of my natural uh-huh. orders and then still have a force of will for something else. Yep. Like I hate that. I hate the fact that I've got eight creatures here and you've got between. Yeah. Eight and sixteen removal spells. Oh yeah! If you think about like I'd run four pending, four swords of plowshares, four force of will. Yeah, I can I can cleanly answer twelve threats, and especially like and not have to worry about shit. Like if you do now, realistically, you do have the the fourth Aerolinguses, which can make creatures. So you do have let's say eight good threats and four mediocre threats. But like that's not a lot. Yeah. Well, problem is they also have twelve amazing answers. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's not even counting my terminuses or my uh, supreme verdicts, supreme verdicts, or any sort of weird planeswalker shenanigans. Yep. 
which there are plenty of or a, like any, if you're running water if you're running a wandering emperor just comes in kills a dude for sure for sure um the other thing to keep in mind they also sideboard in force of negation frequently yep. and if you if one of your threats is now fourth then now your your quote creatures can now be force of negation on yep. top of being force of will how many games do you think uh anonymous was able to sneak by because the opponent held their removal waiting for murktide though there's probably a decent amount. Like there's a I lot mean, of brewers advantage there where this is one of those things like stifle once it's out. Like if this becomes normal, you're probably fucked. Cause like I would let a, like a Delver of secrets live for a long time. If all I've got is swords. Yep. It's like, I don't want to kill that. I want to kill the Merc. Cause like that's you just four, never play it. <laughs> that's a five turn clock. That's a, what's Merc tides a two turn clock. Mm-hmm. And by the time you like, you know, you finally get to, well, I have to kill Delver. Now I've got six life. Bolt, bolt. Yep. So like there's some real advantage to be had there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you're playing in a format where you have the new cards and no one else does, yeah. you've got a little bit of an edge. Yep. You should absolutely Brewer's advantage is very real. Um, looking at the sideboard here, uh, looks pretty stock. I don't see any of the new cards. Mm-mm. Obviously, it's a little tweaked yeah, with uh, got... wear and tear and swords to plowshares because of the white. Yep. Uh, when I first saw this, I was like, oh my God, we've got uh, uh, Jeskai Ragavan, like from when Ragavan yeah. originally came out mm, with like nope. all that shit going on at once. I was surprised to not see prismatic ending in here in either the main or the side. Yeah, but like but it kind of makes sense. I'm right there with them. I don't know. Where the, I don't know where the room is. Um, and at that point, it's uh, either swords or prismatic. Yep, ending. and swords is is better. Yeah. All right. So next deck we've got. Let's see. Fifth place. By the way, we are already an hour and twenty minutes into the podcast. Oh yeah, we are. Well, hey, I told you we were going to speed through the ones without the uh, yeah new cards because. The, Anytime there's new cards, we always fucking spend way too much time. Uh huh. Because that's the. Well, what's my favorite thing to do? Evaluate cards. Yep. And these cards we haven't ever evaluated. The funny thing is, so brief tangent. Uh, let's see. Fifth place, Doomsday. That's what we're talking about. So, tangent. We're you. I think it was last week or the week before. You had mentioned, you know, hey, modern's getting kind of stale. I'm excited to talk about these, you know, Lord of the Rings cards to shake up the format. And I was just like. That's exactly the problem with the it's one of the problems with the content creation era of magic Yep, is not not anything with you, but within general, that attitude of like, I don't I want this format to change, not because it's bad, but because I want to talk about it. Uh-huh. And we, you and I do not have the clout. Yeah. Nor would we ever suggest like banning a card just to shake up the format. Yep. But like, in fact, we've actually argued against it multiple times. Yep. Um. But like the people that do have the clout, that is actually a very real thing. And Wizards has done it before where like they banned Splinter Twin right before the Pro Tour just to shake things up a little bit. Make it interesting. Yeah. They stole money from people. Right. And it's just like, I was like, huh. (laughs) Again, it was in the positive direction where it's like, I'm excited to see these new cards because the format's gotten a little stale to talk about. Yep. So that's a totally different thing. But the idea... The oh, principle is still there where it's like, I want this format to change so we can talk about the change. Yeah. We've, again, we've, we've talked, we've had that discussion where it's like, I literally hate it when I hear so-and-so on so-and-so podcast got on and be like, man, standard's so boring. I wish they would ban something so it wasn't so boring. And it's like, that's the wrong reason to ban cards. Right. And the reason it's boring is because you've consumed dozens and dozens of hours yeah. of content or probably played like thousands of games or yeah. like high hundreds of games because you can just spam them on arena. Yep. And it's just like, I've said it multiple times, magic was not designed to be played 
hundreds of games at a time. No, no, it's you're not supposed to play 300 games per set of standard. No, <laughs> like, you're supposed to play Friday Night Magic like between five and eight games a week. Right. That's what you're. And then and some and maybe some, test and tinker some and tabletop magic with your buddies and goofing around. Like you were supposed to go play competitive magic for 99 percent of people. Because not the grinders, but yeah. 90% of people were to go play, yeah, five to eight games of Magic per week for the three yeah. months this set is out. Effectively one event. Yeah. Per week. Per week. And instead, you've got, between uh, Moto and Arena, you've yeah. got competitive, you'll pl- competitive events constantly you'll, firing. You'll play 20 matches a night. Right. Easily. Or, and it's not even matches there, because it's also best of one. It's almost exclusively being played as best of one on Arena. So you're just playing... 20, 30, 40 games of Magic. Which is against. a fucking dog shit format anyways. It's, from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, it's not great. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't work in best of one that is... Like, playing a ton of best of one doesn't super duper prepare you for an event. Because nope. you're not playing against the decks you should you would expect to see in an event. Yeah. So, anywho. Doomsday. Take it away, Jake. <laughs> so this is personal tutor Doomsday. This is the very standard Doomsday. Um, I don't have my list out. There's a couple different versions I talked to. Uh, per second about this is the this is the meat and potatoes doomsday this is the abcd doomsday always be casting doomsday um that's why you have your personal tutors to go get them uh edge of autumn and uh where is it where is it where is it where's the other one i know there's another one i know i saw another like free free uh, free street wraith that's what it was so you've got edge of autumn and and uh street wraith for your free cantrips um, everything in here looks to be pretty standard from what I've been seeing in Doomsday lists, except one misdirection, which is the most interesting card I see in this main board as far as uh, pickups. So three blue, blue. You may exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay misdirections. Mana cost, change the target of target spell with a single target. What are we doing with that? You're changing the target of their predict like you mentioned earlier. <laughs> Obviously, it's a very relevant spell, and so there's a lot. Most of the lines you're going to run down with, um, most of the lines you're going to run down with Thassa's Oracle are going to be protected, whereas you don't need Force of Will because you have Cavern of Souls. So it's not if you're in a situation where you truly believe your Thassa's Oracle is going to be countered, like you are much better off to, if I mean again, if you can, but just pass a turn and play Cavern. Make your pile so that Cavern's on top or second or whatever and make it so that you can play Cavern. And just now, now none of your, now, now none of your counter spells matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, yeah. unless you're playing running remand. So under that, under that situation, what you actually are scared of now is removal for your, uh, either removal for your Thassa's Oracle or force draw effects for you. Yeah. Because you get into a tough spot against a lot of decks where, I can't go for Thassa's Oracle on zero because maybe they can make me draw a card like with not with predict, but like uh, uh, like Archmage's Charm, for example. There's the cards like that where they can force you draw or 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 like predict. They can mill me at instant speed. So I can't commit to, you know, I can't commit to going to zero draw, you know, cast cycling that last street wraith to draw my last card because they'll mill me. So misdirection is good there where force of will is still good, obviously. Um this is a problem. Like for like, this is just a fifth force of will. But there's a lot of situations where like they are target based spells, and so misdirection is a fifth force of will. Whereas when force it matters, of, when it matters. Whereas you know, force of will is does a lot more than misdirection. But at the end of the game, you don't need 
a force of will for Thassa's Oracle. You have Cavern of Souls. You need a force of will for their swords. So you can their swords to plowshares or their gosh, I'm like their predict or their Archmage's Charm or their whatever. And misdirection is just a fifth force of will. Yep. That's I mean, like I might like Prosecond will probably be in the Discord later when he listens to this, being like, "Hey, Jake, you're a fucking idiot." But that's the best argument I can make for putting a misdirection in my Doomsday pile. Doesn't look like the rest of the list has anything A that I we haven't seen before. Yep. Or B from the Lord of the Rings set. Yep. Sheldred is your biggest newest pickup. Where like, because again, against Doomsday, most people just remove, just take all the removal out, because it's because for the most part, killing Thassa's Oracle usually isn't enough. Like, because yes. you just the plan is to get to zero cards, so it doesn't you can matter safely get to zero. Dead. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas Sheldred is like, cool, all your removal's gone. Sheldred. On turn two. Which is a very good card. Yes, it is. So, next up, we've got Jeskai Control. Take it away, Matt. So. Monastery Mentor. Yay. Yeah. So, this is uh, this is the version you like quite a bit. We've quite got Snapcaster bit. Mage, Monastery Mentor, and Back to Basics. So, this is and ex- Counterbalance. Like, this is actually I, kind of kicking it a little old school. I love That's what I was thinking. I saw that. I was like, is this just Blue-White Control when I saw, like, Snapcaster, Mentor, Jace? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a much... Two counterbalance. Older version of this deck. Um, I mean, we've even cut on the prismatic ending. That to me is shocking. Dude, too portent. I know. Like, so. Which, interestingly enough, too portent and no miracle cards. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas in my opinion, is portent's strongest attribute over ponder. Yeah. I maintain that ponder and portent are very, very close. Ponder's better, but not absurdly. And especially if you have miracle cards, portents better. But there's no miracle cards. So was it why why why? We just it's, like because in my opinion, portent more, is not better than preordain. It's it's weird. So like the 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 other cantrips aside, I'm looking at this and going, we want portent instead of prismatic ending? Yeah. Because that's the that's the card functionally, that's the card that got cut. So it makes sense a little bit to me. So instead of two prismatic ending, you've got Two, or yeah, four Snapcaster Mage. So you, you do, do get, get to, you do you reuse them a little bit. They're really expensive, but you do get to reuse them. Fucking prismatic endings a lot worse cast off a of snap Snapcaster Mage. So I don't know, but it's obviously it's doing well. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Does did they sneak anything new in here? Verdict basics doesn't look like there's anything new in the main. Sideboard doesn't look sideboard, super interesting either. Yeah. Sideboard like this looks. Is, Almost stock to like like I've registered this sideboard before with blue white red control with Jeskai control like like maybe throwing like some end the festivities but I've I've built this sideboard yeah it's pretty stock like I said we're gonna speed past it a little bit we'll have plenty to say in the modern section yeah we will unfortunately all right next up we've got it looks like just eight cast with a sideboard no it's the mirror artifacts yeah <laughs> um just make sure we still got the patchwork automaton. This looks like almost the exact same list as last week, doesn't it? Yeah, to be fair, there's not a ton. I mean, Metallic uh, Rebuke was the only, like, pivot we have saw last week. Yeah. It makes sense it's back in here again. And, I mean, go and check. It might be the same person. Who knows? Um, Andreas Mueller. We do have the 4C of Sinon, which A is a huge duh, but going back to last week's conversation, this is the card we were talking about, the Artifact yep. Land. Where you this do is get why to... Powder Keg is much better against 8-cast than yep. uh, Ratchet Bomb. Rest of the deck and the sideboard looks... I have a question. Sure. 
if your opponent has a uh, car in the great creator, can you use artifact lands to improvise? You can, right? Cause you aren't activating an ability of the land. I believe so. Again, minor, yeah. but like that's you, like you could cast a Kappa Cannoneer cause it had, it had infinity or improvise. Got uh improvise. Yeah. So you could use like if they have, but remember you can't get the blue. Yeah, that's true. Cause it's not convoke. We talked about that last week too. Yeah. Con well, and lands are colorless anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Okay. So technically yes. But it doesn't really matter. Yeah, if it was a improvised colorless card, so you could good. go Oda. You could tap your Odawara, play your second Odawara, tap that Odawara for your second blue, and then use your artifacts to cast Kappa Cannoneer. Through, or you only need one blue mana, so you could use your Odawara to make a blue, and you could use your Seed of the Cyanods through like a Null Rod, for example. Yeah, to cast Kappa Cannoneer. Yep. Okay. Um, Cyborg looks boring. Same I shirt. mean, it doesn't really like it's got uh, it's got two Hull Reacher. Like that's kind of like. Hull Breacher is always kind of a weird flex out of left field. While the card is phenomenal, notably two Hull Breacher over to Fairy Mastermind. But yeah, you got two. You got two Hull Breacher. Well, to me, I look at this and I go, I mean, obviously the color matters. So like being in mono blue, it's already difficult. But you've got some ability to get black, right? Yes. At this point, I think the the ship has sailed on Hull Breacher. If you can cast Bowmaster, I'd rather. And you're not wheeling. Yeah. If you can, like, if you're going to, like, wheel, like, yeah. if you're going to whole breach your combo, that's totally different. Yeah, because but now if, you get to make an 8-8 eight, eight and deal 7 extra damage. Right, but if you're, I mean, if you're throwing whole breacher in there to shut off Brainstorm, wouldn't you rather, in an aggro deck, wouldn't you rather lightning bolt them and have a fucking 3-4? Four, four. Yeah, 3-3 three, three or 4-4? Four, four? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a matter Not of how often. it costs one less mana. You got but, Lotus Petal. Mox Opal, those are your only black sources. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. In this, it's iffy, and it kind of makes sense. Like, especially, you have one Plague Engin Engineer. I don't know. Yep. Maybe. I agree. I agree with the worth thinking about. Yeah. Because, like, to me, again, if you're not comboing off, I don't know why you have Hull Breacher anymore. The, yeah. bo the Bowmaster is way better, in, in my opinion. It's more aggressive. It attacks... It actually attacks and kills. It yeah. kills your opponent. Like how many? Plenty of people have. Fuck, I've done it. Where I've just like I've wheeled and fucking hole breachered and then lost. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's just like it's perfectly possible to just draw fucking shit cards when your I opponent watched. is still alive and you have no pressure on them. I watched DC on Monday. He was playing against. So we have a dude. Uh, his name's Wayne. He built paradoxical paradoxical outcome in mm -hmm. Pioneer, and it's actually pretty good. And he's very good at magic too. But that's the one just uh, remind me. It's the one that you return all your artifacts to your hand and draw a card for each card return. It's up to. But yeah, yeah. You, get to, you get to return any permanent, any non-land permanent you want to your hand. Right. And you draw a card. Yeah. So he POs and it's all built around. It's, it's a it's a uh, paradox engine deck. Mm -hmm. But POs a very, very powerful driving component of it. But um, Tug was a DC was able to do the uh, Narset collective brutality combo. That's where Narset says you can't draw any cards. Collective Brutality has one of the modes where you can make a player discard their hand and draw that many. Oh, gotcha. So you get to, and he runs Quicken too, which allows you to cast the spells. It, so he can go, and he did on your draw step, draw a card, discard your hand. Yeah. And lost that game. Yep. Because he had a Rona, because Wayne had a Rona, which is a new two mana creature that has like pay five and flip it over into a five five obliterator style card. Mm -hmm. And then just proceeded to attack DC four times and kill him. He was playing a control deck and he stripped his opponent's hand, did the thing, and just didn't have a follow up for it. Yep. And I mean, could, how many and, times have I said disruption and a threat? And just couldn't kill, he couldn't kill a 5 5. And 
So the way Rona works is like flexion obliterator whenever. And there's actually it's expensive to flip. So like you can't, but there's actually combo potential with it. And she's a legendary. So whenever a source deals damage to Rona, it's controller discards a card at random. Ooh, you may play that card for free or if it's a land put onto the battlefield. Holy shit. So, and that's the flipped version? Yes. Gotcha. So it comes in as a two mana, like one three, that you can tap it to loot. And whenever you cast a legendary creature, I think, untap it. So you loot a bunch with it. Yep. And then it's like five or six mana to transform it. But then it turns into that. And I was thinking of the scenario where, like, hey, you know, you could, like, uh, I mean, it's blue black. You could literally be like, I'm going to cast Doomblade on it. And oh, look, the only card in my hand is Emrakul. Guess I'll discard Emrakul and cast it. Because it doesn't say opponent. <laughs> It says whenever a source whenever a source deals damage, its controller discards a card at random. Oh wow! So, so uh, you had said Doomblade. Obviously, Doomblade wouldn't. Work. But like, sorry, yeah. In theory, Shock. We're just going to yeah. cast Shock on it. Okay, now I had to discard two cards at random. One. Well, no, it's it's not per damage. Oh, it's gotcha. a source. But so yeah, I'm gonna deal two damage to it. Doesn't even kill it, and I'm gonna discard one of the cards in my hand and play it for free. And like, I could just envision an EDH deck. Obviously, you don't get red. But you just have Rona and a ton of ways to ping it for damage of some kind. And you know what you do? You play um for anybody who knows, there's a card called Pestilence, which is a black card. Yes. You play the red one called Pyrohemia. Yep. <laughs> and you could just ping and just, and just one, fill ping. your fill your deck full of fatties and huge spells and just play them for free. Like I it'd be a really fun deck to play. Oh, it wouldn't be it's not the red one, it has no it, it had to be the black one. It has to be like because she's blue black. Oh, gotcha. But she's going to run Pestilence. So just run Pestilence. But like, I, when I saw that, I, I was like, the true. potential for that is high. And it's a great mid-level pe- commander too, because like, she's cheap at two mana, but she's expensive to flip. So like, very answerable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about eighth place, which is Death Shadow. For anybody paying attention, that means the top eight has eight different decks once again. Um, it does have two Delver decks. But they uh, are very I was gonna say, different. Like I wouldn't to me, I don't even look at those as the same deck. Like they're just two decks that have Delver they, in them. They're in that's kind of splitting hairs a little bit. I'm I'm definitely but somewhere near you with that. Yeah. I mean, because especially when you consider they're both they've got Delver and DRC, but yep. they're actively trying to play different yep. cards. Well, so like it, let's say hypothetically if Goldfish lumped them together for the metagame summary and said Delver was nineteen percent of the meta, I would say no, not really. Yeah. It was 12% and 8% or whatever. Yeah, because those, those two, are different. Those two decks are also going to play different. Yes, they are. The Grixis one being way more aggressive. Yep. Um, anywho, sorry, looking at Rona real quick. So, I'll, so Death Shadow. I will take a peek at this deck. We do have in this Death Shadow list three Murktides. That's Merc-tides. fucking bonkers. Isn't that good? That's, how did they let that slip I know. past? I, when, he, when he flipped it over and read it, I was like, oh man, I wish you could do it with your own stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, let me see it. You can. Um, That's so dumb. Yeah, it <laughs> Anywho, is. I can take back over. I was just like, I had to confirm that yeah. because it's such that's a design how, mistake. That's not how cards are printed anymore. No. You're not allowed to abuse stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's fucking... Now, you to can't be fair, just, it does take quite a bit of work. It's fucking uh, at minimum seven mana and two life. Yeah, pay her... To play her for two and then flip her for five. What is it? Uh, yeah, two, then five and a uh, Phyrexian black to flip her. Yeah, it's expensive, but that's a perfect EDH deck right there. Well, and the big thing is she pseudo gets around uh, commander tax because know. she only costs two. Yep. And if you can flip her, you already got the five or six. So yeah, you can cast her again. Yep. Uh, anywho, Death Shadow. 
let's see if there's anything new here. Uh, we've got Death Shadow, Delver, Street Wraith. So we've got Street Wraith back. Yep. Unlike we kind of lost it the past couple weeks. And Murktide's been in and out too. Yeah, Murktide back. We got the typical cantrips, Thoughtseize, Days, Force of Negation, four, the full four snuff outs, Force of Will, Lands. Yeah, I don't see anything in no. here. Uh, Gutshot is, it's not a new card, but it's, you know, I wouldn't even say it's uncommon to see, but we haven't seen it in a while. Yep, that's a an interesting pickup for a sideboard, a single gut yep. shot. And it's just, it, you know, make your, it reads, make Death Shadow two power bigger, yep. deal one damage to an elf. Any, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, surgical. Or, any, or a creature people actually play. Yeah. Well, apparently. Um, <laughs> so yeah, in these kind of decks, if you haven't been paying attention, you're going to see a lot of the Phyrexian mana symbols because that's exactly what they want to be doing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or stuff like Snuff Out, which basically has the Phyrexian mana symbols. Yep. So. There is a card in here we should talk about. It's hidden. The Black Gate. We do have our fifth Lord of the Rings card in the top eight. Yep. So Black, uh, the Black Gate, Legendary Land, also a gate for you gate fanatics. Because I know there are people, for a while, I think it was gates that took over Popper. Yep. There was a weird ass fucking did. gate deck with like, there was a land that pumped your creatures based on the number of gates uh -huh. you had. And it was just very hard to deal with because yep. Popper doesn't have a wasteland effect. So like, it's very hard to deal with like good lands. Yep. Um, anywho. As the Black Gate enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped. Okay. So, so we we can always have untapped black. But it is also a much worse shock as far as mana goes. So yep. now we're looking at a legendary black swamp with a lightning bolt instead of a shock. So it's more it's definitely more comparable to the MDFC lands. The the, the, yeah. the lands that are like they lightning bolt you to come and in on And they have a spell on the other side. Yes, which yeah. is sort of does. Effectively does. Now, the reason I say that is this deck actually wants to run shocks. Yep. So the paying three life is a huge benefit. Yeah, this deck this runs deck. four watery graves. Correct. So we basically, the flip side is, now we have a land that comes into play, makes Death Shadow three power bigger, uh -huh. comes into play untapped, makes Death Shadow three power bigger, and then also has uh, one in a black, tap it, choose a player with the most life or tied for the most life. Probably ain't gonna hmm. be you. Probably isn't gonna be me. Target creature can't be blocked by that player. So we're going to come in, make Death Shadow three power breaker, then tap it, make my giant ass Death Shadow unblockable and beat you for 10. Yep. Seems like a solid card. That's a good card for this deck. Yeah. Seems really fucking good. So yeah. So we're up to five. There's not really a whole, like that is a pretty simple card to evaluate. Yep. Uh, it's just one of those things where you look it's at that just and you a, go. It's a swamp with a spell on it. It's a swamp with a fucking amazing and reusable a, spell on it. A relevant spell. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a very good card for this deck. That will probably I can't imagine a scenario where that doesn't see play in this deck as long as Death Shadow is a deck. Yep. Like the only time it's bad is when you literally have three life. Right. That's it. Yeah. You're it's like I I'm at three and I need a black to come into play untapped. Yep. Like if the game if the game hinges on that, you may get burned. If not, still really fucking good. Instead, if you go turn one, play that, go down to seventeen. Thought sees your opponent, go down to 15, Street Wraith, go down to uh, 13, uh, Street Wraith again, and then you can turn one, yep. play your Death Shadow. Actually, you can't even mana, but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's all the things you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Fuck, turn one for those decks usually is just fetch, shock, do a thing, hopefully bleed myself as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like fetch, shock, Bolt cycle, Street Wraith, reanimate. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. that gets your life total low really quick. Yep. And then, then you lose five, and then two, and then, yeah. Gets your death shadow online really fast. Yep, yep. Anywho, 
that's legacy for the top eight. We've got the metagame summary. Now, there is a big asterisk here. Yep. This metagame summary, other 43.75%. The next biggest deck is Grix's Tempo with 15.62%. So five of the top 32. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, this is right back to where we have said multiple times that should be the ceiling of basically any deck. Yeah. So we've already got Delver back in the driver's seat potentially and it's the first week we're not gonna this guy's not falling oh yeah yeah, no, no. But, but in general but, and for reference it looks like there's at least two more of those jessica of uh well there's one more jessica delver list there's another one what's white blue black uh esper there's also an esper delver list with delver bowmaster esper sentinel and then evasion of gobacon gotcha so we're looking at possibly you know two or three more delver lists delver style lists to go with those five Grixis tempo style lists. Oh yeah, we'll see. I've I've peeked ahead and looked at the top creatures, and that is a different story than what the uh, metagame summaries. Gotcha. So if we get down to Mono Red Prison, we've got three, and then we got a bunch of one ofs: Doomsday, Breakfast, Painter, Reanimator, Grixis Control, Death Shadow. That yep. Kind of shit. And so, a bunch more one ofs, I'm sure, in that other category. Yeah, I'm sure there is too. Um, most of the things in the other category, if you look, they're just the if you're following along with us, they're just the things that just have the uh, color letters on them so like yeah. if it's w blue or w u r that's going to be lumped in with other if it actually has a deck name it won't be in another yeah it's like this one this mono white list by perez is this a, like a weird like it's got samwise the stout-hearted thalia seasoned dungeoneer solitude timeless dragon and chancellor of the annex like ephemerate swords of Light. some weird just, just a weird deck yep like and that nope there's a and there's a, a decent chunk of those so most played cards. This is not going to surprise anyone, although one of them is made a resurgence. So we've got Brainstorm, Forcible, Ponder, then Days. Days is back, folks. Yep. Then Surgical Extraction. So basically, Days kicked out Lotus Petal. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now top creatures. So Orcish Bowmaster, 34% of decks. Mm-hmm. Delver of Secrets, 28%. Okay, so DRC, there's our number. 25%. Murktide. 25%. Yeah, so that That's so we're in the that real number. 25 to 28% counting all the Delver variants. Yes. Now again, you've got stuff like it, like with Murktide, you've got Death Shadow. Yep. And occasionally like Doomsday will run it. Shit like that. But you've also got some Delver lists that aren't running it. Correct. So I kind of bounced that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so like we do have to we're kind of in we got to watch it with this shit. And this is what many people talk about where they're like Quit just banning the next newest broken thing with Delver. Uh-huh. Like as soon as a good card comes out, which is fucking two or three times a year. Yep. Delver just adopts it. Yep. Delver has currently adopted Orcish Bowmasters. Let's see it, how it pans out. Yep. The one caveat I would say is the Bowmaster is also very good against Delver. Yeah. So we'll have to see how this shakes out. In well, the that's what's going to happen, Matt, is I have to play my Bowmaster so I can kill your Bowmaster. Yeah, but now... Snuff out isn't good against Bowmaster though. That's true. So hopefully initiative will come in and we'll be right back to that A B metagame. <laughs> <laughs> the episodes will be shorter. <laughs> they will be. <laughs> As we approach two hours. Right. <clears throat> hour and a half. Okay. So uh Orcish Bowmaster DRC or Delver DRC Merktide Simeon Spirit Guide. So that's our top five creatures. And then top spells, brainstorm, forcible ponder, days, surgical extraction. So same thing as the top uh, cards. It's pretty awesome though seeing eight unique decks. So we've got what combo, tempo, uh, artifacts, whatever the fuck that is. Control, I guess. Brown control. Mm-hmm. Uh, tempo ish again. Combo, uh, control, 
mid-range combo-y with eight cast and uh, aggro with Death Shadow. Like, yeah, I can. I personally, I mentally categorize eight cast as a aggro deck. It it's aggro with high synergy. Okay. Because like there's not like a one turn. I could see it being between aggro and mid range because yeah. I kind of count as a little more of a mid range deck, but sure. I definitely can get behind the like I said a deck that plan like plan A is winning in the red zone and trying to do it quickly and trying to do it relatively quickly. Yeah, is yeah. a uh, it, it definitely has attributes of an aggro deck. So are you ready to head on over to modern? Yeah, I think we've got uh, everything worth talking about discussed over here in Legacy. Alrighty, let's bump on over to modern. Uh, keen observers, if I don't edit this well, will notice there's some slight disconnects available because I've gotten called or text important text messages like four times in now, this recording session. Even the non-keen observers know. Now everybody knows. Yep. Would it be what will be funny though is if people are like, "Oh, I hadn't even noticed," because I'm that good sometimes at editing. Good luck. Anyway, so hopping over to modern. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be, guys, because we're already an hour, 40-ish minutes into this podcast. We haven't touched Modern, and there's some cool cards in Modern. So starting up, we do have, as I said before, Zerk with Golgari Sacrifice, basically Yawgmoth combo. And there are some interesting cards in this one, primarily going to be the new cards, uh, Delighted Halfling, Orcish Bowmasters, and uh, the One Ring. Now, we've talked about Orcish Bowmasters to death. It is worth mentioning that Orcish Bowmasters is not as good in Modern, for sure, yeah, the cantrips aren't because good. there's not nearly as much drawing that's happening. Oddly enough, Yogmoth does draw a shit ton of cards. Hell, I would even argue without brainstorm, I wouldn't even personally. I wouldn't even bother in Legacy. Yeah, it's now that does depend on how many people are running running the One Ring because that draws true. a bunch of fucking cards. Yep. But yeah, Orcish Bowmasters isn't the auto include that it or the like amazing powerhouse that it is in uh, Legacy. Now it does still kill X ones really well. One of the key things that like Renin set Renin Six does is the ETBs and kills an X one, and this does that just as good, which is yep. super relevant. I would argue even better because it's an instant. Yeah, because it comes in. It's, and well, here's the thing: it's an instant. So a great immediate example. Uh, you can on the play, you can kill their um, their Esper Sentinel without letting them draw a card. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. They can play the Esper Sentinel. You play this, kill it. It's not. It's a creature, so they don't draw a card. Like there are times when it is relevant, yep. and it can kill a Renin Six, and it can kill a Renin Six. It's any target. Yep. Now, so it's probably not going to kill a Ren and Six very often, but it could. Well, you, I mean, it's it's very possible. Like, imagine where they go turn two, you know, or whatever. They'd like turn Ren and Six, kill your thing, going down to, I think that puts Ren and Six down to like three. And you're like, cool, end of your turn. I'm going to cast Orcus Bowmasters, ping the Ren, attack it for two, and kill oh, it. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even considered that. I was just thinking about the, the ETB yeah. itself. But yeah, I mean, it's actually a pretty clean answer to Ren. Yeah. When they, when they go, when they run Ren out into a board to kill your only creature and leaves an empty board, it's like, cool, I'm, now I'm going to kill the Ren. And get it, or get down to maybe one where it's not as useful. Yep. Um, so you do have also four Delighted Halfling. Now, this is definitely Golgari Sacrifice is one of the decks that runs some probably the highest number of mana dorks or creatures that produce mana, you know, that make mana or feed into um, what's it called? Port of Calling. Mm-hmm. So, Delighted Halfling is a new card. One mana, one green for a one, two Halfling Citizen. You can tap it to add a colorless, or you can tap it to add a mana of any color but spend this mana only to cast a legendary spell, and that spell can't be countered. It's pretty good in a deck that's uh, part of its combo is a legendary creature. Yes, so obviously it works well with Yawgmoth. It works well with Hapatra as being legendary creatures. Er, yeah, the uncounterableness is relevant. Also Grist. 
Oh, and Christ. Yep. Honestly, what I think actually, and and to be fair, the one the ring. one ring. Yep. Um, probably though, what's more likely the relevant factor with that card is the stat lines. Oh yeah, being a one-two and being a mana dork that's immune to bowmaster bow and Ren and six. six. Yeah. So you get to have Big a deal. one mana mana dork that doesn't ta- that doesn't die to a pain damage. That is super super relevant. And in my opinion, you just get the splash damage of getting colored mana for uncounterable legendaries. Yeah. The uh, basically this one, I look at this and go, the floor on this C- on this card is really high. Yeah. Because like it matters that cards produce colored mana. Like if you were gonna, for example, replace this one with a land or elf, you would see marginal benefit to getting green instead of uh, colorless. Yeah. That does exist. Yep. The upside of being having an extra toughness and still only costing one, which yep. is huge. Yes. And then also being able to cast your most important spells and make them fucking uncounterable is yeah. enormous. Like that card is. Yep. It's just like gets a little better, gets a little better, gets a little better. There is a there is a floor. It's not that bad. And the ceiling's fucking crazy where the, you get to like run out Yawgmoth on. You get to run Yawgmoth into blue blue. Right. Be like, I don't fucking care. Fuck you. Do whatever you want, bud. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just blanked the two most important. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna cast a four drop into your two counter spells, and you can eat a dick. Yep. <laughs> um. So you got yeah. Orcus Bow Masters. You got Hapatra, One Blood Artist. Uh, everything else looks pretty standard. I'll be honest. I don't know the list super well enough to know like where we found room. We did find room for eight creatures. So I like case in point. No Wall of Roots. Like Delight Halfling yep. is taking the Wall uh, of Roots no, slot. No Wall of Roots is in there. Oh, it sure is. Yep. Oh, yeah, because it's a two drop. That was a one drop. So, I mean, like, uh, there's no Strangle Rootgeist. So, let's say, let's say Delighted Halfling, Delighted Halfling takes the Strangle Rootgeist slot. Oh, what do we cut for Orcish Bowmasters? I don't know the list well enough to know what got cut, guys. I think there's usually more than one Prosperous Innkeeper, and there might be more than two Endurance. I'm not sure, though. But, we, I mean, eight new creatures is a fuck ton. Not to mention, we've got three new spells, yeah. the one ring. Eleven cards changed out of this. Yes. <laughs> and keep in mind, this is one of those lists that we always roll past because it's like, oh, it's like Cascade. Nothing. There's not really any room for improvement here. Well, they just haven't printed anything that would go yeah. in it because like. Because it's all undying and there's yeah, no, they, we haven't done undying. Or mana dorks and they yep. don't fuck around with, they like. They don't. I mean, Ignoble Hierarch is like, was like, holy shit. Yeah. A new, really good one mana mana dork. Yeah. And which dies to like, red and six, by the way. Yeah. And then they're just like, here, have another. Yep. So, uh, the one ring, uh, for anyone who has been living under a rock or avoid spoiler season, which are both fine Four mana artifact. It is indestructible legendary artifact. I should say when the one ring enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. So, uh, your permanents do not, but you do. So there's nothing they can do to kill you. Now they can, uh, supposedly if a card says you win the game, that'll still work, but 99.9% 99.9% of the shit going on is not going to kill you. Especially, so there's still, for example, if I'm remembering protection, right? If it was like each player loses five life, you still lose life. You would still lose a life, Because yes. it doesn't target and yep. it's not damage. Yes. But since it's modern, nobody plays that fucking shit. No. <laughs> and so like, there are certainly cards, like, and if the one ring became horribly oppressive, there are, you know, yeah. deck building there, choices ways you could to make. pivot around it, yeah. But... Yeah, they're none of them. Are, none of them are seeing main play, really. And mm-hmm. as watching, I've watched a handful of modern leagues, which is where most of the second card is seeing played. And uh, watching Aspiring Spike just cast it and like just go from a position where he's it's it's almost like getting to cast a four man time walk against a lot of decks. Where mm-hmm. like I don't care 
how much you develop your board. I don't care how good your board is. I just get to cast the one ring, draw a few cards, and blank your next turn. Nothing you can do touches me because most of the decks are winning in the red zone. And then, like I was telling Matt earlier, the one ring stacks so freaking well where, you know, you can always just cast it again. So, you know, oh, I should read the rest of it. Sorry. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on the one ring. You can tap it to put a burden counter on the one ring, and then you draw a card for each burden counter on the one ring. So what that means is so you play it, you gain protection from everything, you tap it, draw a card, you put one counter on it. Reverse order, but yes. You go to your turn, you untap, you lose a life for the one counter, and then you can tap it to put a second counter on it and draw two cards. So for one life and four mana, you've drawn two cards and gained protection from everything. You pseudo, you, you get to blank all the aggressiveness coming from your opponent for a turn. That's pretty good. Now, obviously, the problem with this one, one ring is, you know, you got to win the game because you're going to be losing life every turn. This is a better, like, embodiment of what, like, the ring tempted should be, mm-hmm. where, like, there's there's costs. And you get too tempted by the ring, you're going to die. But you can always just play another one ring and sacrifice the one covered in counters. And start over. And start over. Or just leave it. Like, if you get in a situation where, like, you have three life, just you can cast the one ring, blank your opponent's attack again. And just leave it. Don't use it. Yep. And you're not going to die. Or, and you can you also find ways to bounce it or exile it. But like the easiest way is just run, I don't know, three one rings. You're going to draw six, seven, eight cards with this freaking thing. Might just draw another one. Yeah. Well, and especially in a combo deck, every card you draw, you're just drawing closer and closer yeah. to your and combo. Especially this deck where you're drawing gas. Like you're drawing um, endurances. You're drawing Hapatra. You're drawing... Uh, blood artists like you're drawing good cards don't forget that blood artist can help offset that one ring damage well i was gonna say the other thing is so you've got the the blood artist and the prosperous innkeeper gaining you life yep allowing you to dig Which even is, deeper with the one ring as someone who's I said, i've watched a good bit of this gameplay and like the one ring decks that just play the one ring are, are it, it's busted where like it feels wrong to just take turn four off but you're not because you're kind of like taking turn four off and then kind of casting Teferi's protection. Obviously, they can still kill your stuff, but like... Well, you in general, you don't... As long as you're not being like totally blown out, most games, most matches where you're like, okay, we're going to sit here and trade on resources, as long as the trade is pretty even, you don't really care about the trade if yeah. you've got something like this to back it up. Yeah, and just clean and just, just refill back up. Like, so you get to just like take turn four off, but you force them to take turn four off combat-wise for the most part. Um, and then you just start drawing insane amounts of cards. And the decks that go, those decks that do that are really powerful. But the decks that are like just laughable are the ones that are finding a way to gain two or three life a turn. Where it's like, cool. So there's literally no downside to me having the ring on five and drawing. The ring and ivory tower. Like, oh shit. <laughs> well, no, it's life loss. Well, ivory tower just gains you life. Oh, oh, I was thinking it's, of, I was thinking, I was thinking of a different card. Yeah. But yeah, like every tower is like you gain a life for every card on your upkeep, gain a life for every card in excess of four. There you go. But yeah, like you get to be like, I'm going to draw five cards a turn, six cards a turn, seven cards a turn. And I, how do you lose? How do you, how do you lose if you draw an extra 10 cards this game? Yep. So the one ring is pretty bonkers. It, uh, I saw a lot of people sleeping on it. I personally slept on it quite a bit. I didn't think I didn't I, remember what it did until we sat down to talk about it. <laughs> I vastly underestimated how powerful gaining pro everything was because for me, I look at it like it's four mana, it's four mana and two turns to draw three cards, which is like the, that's a rough spot to be. If you showed me a card that was like, it was four mana and over two turns, I get to draw three cards 
And then over three turns, I get to draw six cards. But like, well, I took turn four off. I might not get three more turns. Mm -hmm. But you throw in there, like, you basically can't die for a turn. And it's like, whoo, that's good. Yeah. That's really, really good. And it's the biggest thing is, at least to me, it's also itself very difficult to remove. Not only is it an artifact, like we discussed, artifacts in general are harder to kill. It's high CMC, relatively speaking, so there's it's CMC harder, stuff that doesn't hit it. Harder depending it. And it's indestructible. It's indestructible. Yep. So like the <clears throat> no shatter. The the number of cards that can destroy this ring are very, very yeah. small. You can leyline binding it, you can prismatic ending it. You can cast you know. it into the fire. You can cast it into the fire. There are ways to kill it for sure, but just like that, like the number of answers in your deck dwindles dramatically when you're like, How do I kill the one ring? It's like I don't have many choices. So then in the sideboard, we've got nothing very interesting. Nothing um, new. That's nothing new, nothing interesting. Newest card, pile on, uh, four mana convoke card to destroy a creature. Yep. Or Planeswalker, actually, with Surveil 2 to add onto it. But nothing too crazy going on there. Second place, we do have a really cool deck, Domain Zoo. We actually saw this, I think, last week as well. All the Domain cards, you do get to run Giganta. I should say all the Domain cards and Ragavan, the best creature in the deck. Uh, Tireless yeah. Tracker in there again instead of uh, what's what do we decide what we're we talking about instead of Goyf? Yeah, I was gonna say I think we were talking about Goyf. Yep, Tireless Tracker in over Goyf, um, the best like you know Tribal Fames and Stubborn Denial, you know Jorokas Command, Leyland Binding. This is falling into that. These this didn't get three or four new cards printed for it. Nope, but it's still doing well and it's still doing well. But it is one of those kind of parasitic decks where like. There's only so many cards that care about Domain, and this has the best of them. And then as far as the sideboard, nothing interesting going on there. It is Sugu, Three Fairy, Wear and Tear, uh, Engine Explosive, stuff like that. <clears throat> Trying to go a little faster through these, because we are going to have an extra long podcast this week. Uh, oh, you want to talk about 3rd, 6th, and 7th, then? <laughs> oh, that'll help. Uh, so we do have Rakdos Midrange in 3rd, and 6th, and 7th. So we had three Rakdos Midrange pop into the top 8 this week. Um, let's start with a third place list. Take a peek at it. This is obviously Rakdos Scam. You've got four Fury, four Grief. This creature suite looks uh, very stock. This spell uh-huh. suite looks very stock. Uh, two Blood Moon, two Fable the Mirror Breaker. It does feel like we've. It's been a minute since we've seen uh, uh, Froxa. Uh, we saw it last week. We? Uh, at least in one of them, or I saw a Rakdos Mid Range deck. In the top 32. Gotcha. Um, I see it. I've noticed it popping in and out. Like, yeah, Kroxa is definitely an optional. Yeah, I was going to... It feels... When the deck first started popping around, and like, Rack before it became Scam, it was also just kind of a mid-rangey deck. Yeah. Kroxa was kind of like mandatory. It now yep. is kind of a flex slot. Yep. A flex card, I, I think say. the biggest thing about that is like, people realize you don't really need a finisher. Not with ease. Like, you've got like Fury... Fury and Fury Season Pyromancer is a, is a fucking fu- finisher. Especially Fury is a 4-4 with like an undying. Like you just don't really need the spend four mana nuke my graveyard to get a to get some extra value. Um seventh place, jumping past to seventh, um, instead has a Torok Dread Canter in that kind of flex slot top end, four mana top end. Yep. Um you do have like a Sheldra's Edict, you got a little different the spell sweep, but almost the same. Like the rest of the deck is almost literally identical, even to the sideboard, they're pretty similar. The sixth place list does have some innovation. We did pick up two Orcish Bowmasters in that pseudo flex slot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure we trimmed one Fable looks like. So you still have your 15 spells. Those look pretty much the same. Uh, tra- tra- trim on one Fable the Mirror Breaker and one Kroxa to make room for two Orcish Bowmasters to go with the rest of the deck. 
And again, even to the sideboard, it looks pretty standard. Uh, we do have in this particular list, though, an additional Lord of the Rings card popping into the sideboard. Stone of, hey, say that. Eric? Eric? I don't know. Hey, you're the you're the Lord of the Rings guy. Doesn't mean I can actually fucking read. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Stone of Eric, or Eric, uh, one mana legendary artifact. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile instead. That's a phenomenal line of text. Pay two and tap it. Sacrifice Stone of Eric. Exile target player's graveyard. Draw a card. That's a pretty good card. Um, it definitely fights for a lot of, it fights a lot of really good cards like Soul Guide Lantern, Tormod's Crypt, Relic of Progenitus for that like pseudo graveyardish hate and, you know, cycling ability slash whatever. But mm -hmm. that's a really good ability to, um, especially for the mirror to one mana on, on turn one, you can't scam me. Yeah. That's pretty good. But those are the three Rakdos midrange lists. I'll let me check the third place list to make sure the sideboard's boring. And it is. So, yeah, nothing crazy going on in there except. So, what does that make? What does that put us to? Like six or seven Lord of the Ring cards in top uh, 32 this week between both formats? Yeah, because I think the Delighted Halfling was six. Yeah, because we, we, we had five in Legacy. There's five in Legacy, two new ones. So, six, seven because the ring. And that ring. puts us at eight. Yeah, so eight. And it's the first week, like you're getting like yeah, brewers and fun stuff. But we're also only talking about the top eights, which means they didn't ruin the deck. Well, and we also had into the fire in the sideboard. Yeah, or was that? Fire. Did we include that as that might have been one of the five? I that might just, be, but yeah. don't forget the land too. Yeah, those those all might be part of the five though. I but don't remember. But. It's possible. Yeah, so we're looking at at least eight. Uh, moving on, we have a Grixis list for um, modern. Oh, this, never mind. This is yeah. a Grixis. <laughs> it's so, oh, so remember, half of the top eight. Is... Remember I said we have three uh, Rakdos scam decks? We actually have four Rakdos scam lists. <laughs> yeah, but this one's got Orvar, so it's this a Grixis list. literally one Orvar on the side, making it Grixis scam. Um, this is almost the exact same deck as I just said, so actually a perfect place to talk about it. Literally nothing special in the main and nothing special in the side except an Orvar. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. So third, fourth, sixth, and seventh. Yep, we have two more lists to talk about in modern this week. It definitely modern will be a little shorter, even though we went a little deeper into it because there's half the decks we want to talk about. Fifth place, we've got Underworld Breach, uh, Ragavan, like generic Ragavan. So Jeskai, you know, DRC Ledger Shredder, Ragavan, uh, three fairy, bunch of counter spells, bunch of damage spells, and then Underworld Breach just get a ton of value slash end of the game. This deck popped up. I don't know, probably a few months ago and really hasn't changed much since then. Like it, it, it popped up and got popular and it really hasn't had much innovation. Yeah. Even down to the sideboard. Like there's nothing going on in this sideboard that's new or interesting. Engineer explosives, Aether Gust, you know, Hallowed Moonlight, uh, Blood Moon, stuff like that. Like I don't see anything here worth really mentioning. Do you? Mm -mm. Yeah. Let's take it all the way home. With Jeskai Control, this is your very normal Kahira for Solitude Control with three Teferi in the side. This is Victor Von Merte, not, um, I can't remember who it was we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, so we do have the Flame Blitz in the side. So this this list is very much inspired by that, where most of your Jeskai Control lists have like six or seven Planeswalkers, maybe eight. This one only has three, but it has two Flame Blitz in the side, and I believe... Um, I heard on another podcast for that pilot, and I can't remember who it is right now, 
but it was whenever the flame blitz came in, the Teferis came out. That was just a straight swap. So obviously uh, Victor went a little heavier on Teferi because that card's fucking bonkers, but still kept the flame blitz in the side. Yeah, and I mean, you can, you like if you're sideboarding, you go, okay, I'm pulling out three Teferi because yeah. I know I'm putting in two flame blitz. Yep, and now I find, just need to pick a third card. You'll find something else that wants to go in there. And that's if you're just going for that swap. Yep. Um, the rest of the list seems pretty standard for what I expect to see in a in a Jeskai control list. And by Jeskai control, I mean it has a crumble to dust and two flame blitz in the side. Yep, similar thing. It's got an Orvar. Other than that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, At least blue, this is going to try to cast the red spells. Yep. Blue-white control with Leyline binding, so you have all of the tri-lands and dual lands in the side to make your bindings work. Uh, memory deluges, two supreme verdicts, uh, you know. Archmage's Charms, Dress Downs, like pretty standard. And the sideboard even, nothing really crazy going on the sideboard. So that kind of brings home Modern. Definitely a lot less talk about. I'll be honest, I didn't realize when we queued up Modern, or we queued up the podcast today that Modern had three or four in the top eight. So that's not great. I knew it had three. I thought there was going to be more than just the one Yawgmoth deck that had uh, the Lord of the Rings cards in it. I was like, well, fuck, if if this one deck has three, yeah, what the something. hell is the rest of the top eight doing? Yeah, Apparently no. nothing. Not as much. Just running fucking scams we, is what they're doing. <laughs> we do have a, a good couple uh, Lord of the Ring cards in here. So, metagame breakdown. We do have 15.6% as other. That's our top deck. Now, keep in mind that uh, Rakdos Midrange is one of them with that Grixis labeled as a Grixis list. Oh, hang on. Uh-oh. Is there another? It's 12th place. Yep. 12th place was also Rakdos Scam. With so we Orvar. actually had, that's a full five, full five Rakdos Scam list. Let me see if there's any more Grixis lists like that. I don't see any. So to kind of change these around, what I'm actually going to say is there's actually only 13 other with, and that, that will comprise, you know, roughly 10 or 12%. Then you've got live, or then you would have Rakdos Midrange at five with 15.5%. Living End with five at 15.5%. Jesus Christ. And then Hammer Time at four with 12.5%. 44-ish, mm-hmm. 42% of the metagame. That's three or four was decks. three decks. Three was, decks. This was not a good week for the, the meta breakdown. No. Or for the top eight. Uh, Rakdos Mid- or, uh, sorry, Mono Green Tron with three. Domain Zoo and four five-color Omnath with two. And then a, a small chunk of one-ofs. Most of the one-ofs. Well, about probably half the one-ofs fell into that other category. And then you got another five or six. Most played cards up top, shockingly enough, Grief, Ragavan, Chalice of the Void, Endurance, Force of Negation. And in seventh place, Ornithopter. <laughs> yep. I mean, Hammer Time 12.5%. I know, but it's just like, it's so weird that that's the card it picks out. That's, oh, that, yeah, like makes the cut of like to represent. There, I wonder, take a peek through, is it, there. There's got to be like an affinity list or is something. Is there like an affinity here, list? Like, to, yeah. Tipping the scales. Something else I want to see before we wrap up, before we even do the next one, I want to pull the first the first Hammer Time list I see, which looks like 15th place. Are they running the new three-mana spell? Oh, yeah, the, uh, Forge Anew. Yes, there's one of them. In the main or in the side? In the main, under enchantments. Yep, so one Forge Anew. So that's a card that we called out as being, like, I think a real possible mainstay in... It's like I heard people kind of poo-pooing on this card, how it's like... Because it's three-mana, and it's very expensive for Hammer Time, and I get that. But like, wouldn't don't you think Hammer Time would play three mana Pure Steel Paladin? Like, if they printed three mana Pure Steel Paladin, wouldn't they probably play it? Because Pure Steel Paladin is probably one of the best creatures in the deck, where mm-hmm. you can just make your hammers equipped for free. And yeah, and it also is a pseudo Sigarda's aid. 
on top of the pure steel paladin. Oh, it is. On your turn, you can play your equipment. As oh, it's as, it's way better than just as than just a fifth pure steel paladin. But yeah. I would think, I would argue that I'll bet they would run one to three three mana pure steel paladins. This is pure steel paladin. It only does it once a turn, which is relevant. But it it basically is pure steel paladin yeah. for three mana. That also gets it out of the graveyard if you've milled it or it's been destroyed and allows you to activate them at instant speed on your turn. Mm-hmm. So, which is way different and sometimes way better than Sigarda's Aid. I mean, think about even if you had them both, you could just play Sigarda, you could just play it at sorcery speed before your combat, you know. Oh, actually, even better, you could be like, hey, I'm going to go to combat. I'm going to, you know, if you have both, like, I'll attack with my two creatures. You're like, okay, no blocks. So I go, cool, I'm going to play the hammer and put it on my thing and like okay i'm gonna kill your thing cool in response to that i'm gonna move it to my other thing mm-hmm. right because you get to activate them at, or at instant speed do you not yeah like as long as it's your turn you may activate equip abilities at any time you could cast an instant you may pay zero rather than equip like for the first one now i'm not i'm not saying the card's bonkers amazing i'm just saying in this deck i've heard a lot of people i've heard people poo-pooing it like oh it's probably maybe it's one maybe it's two this seems like a really good card for this deck, and I'm really happy to see there that someone put it in the top 32. Anyway, top creatures, Grief, Ragavan, Endurance, Ornithopter, Street Wraith. Street Wraith is probably the most interesting card there to be in the top five. But I guess I guess Living End was uh, tied for the most played decks. Uh, so there were three Hammer Time decks. Two of them were running one Forge Anew. Okay. So we'll see if that grows. I, could, I think it should be a two of at least... Probably isn't worth being a four of, but I think a two of is. I think having six pure still paladin effects on top of your four cigar eight effects are really good. Or I think it's where it should be. And then top spells, Chalice of the Void, Force of Negation, Lightning Bolt, Engineered Explosives, and Force of Vigor. All right, that brings us to the end of Modern. We are just breaching the two-hour-ish mark. Matt, is there anything else you wanted to cover about magic this week? Nothing in particular. Well, if that is the case... Hopefully you got your magic fix out of us. Uh, if you ever want to reach out to us, shoot us a message, you know, chit chat. Uh, you can hit us up, cantripcartel at gmail.com. We are Cantrip Cartel everywhere else, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I know we are not active on them, and for that I am sorry, but we do check them. You send us a message, we will see it, I promise. But, Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Probably, but I don't know what it would be. <laughs> then I think we'll see you guys next week. Yep, have a nice night, guys. Okay, um, in response to your glimpse of nature, I'm going to cast Orcish Bowmasters. I'll pass priority. Me too. <laughs> Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken Matt chatting meta games or slinging some spells. Casting ale, sipping on blue soup and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time. They're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queer and ranger scrounge the sylvan libraries where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle ex- Hail carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang. Tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.